And ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No. Because I'm going to get him. Welcome to this episode of the Hagman and Hagman Report. We're coming to you live from our radio and television studios here in beautiful northwest Pennsylvania. Folks, we broadcast live every weeknight, Monday through Friday, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Global Star Radio Network. That's the place to be. And, of course, right on Blog, blog Talk Radio as well. And live nightly on YouTube. Don't forget our two websites, HagmanReport.com and HagmanAndHagman.com. The latter, of course, is for show information. That's HagmanAndHagman.com, HagmanReport.com. is for show prep, news information, and then analysis. We're uh, uh, working through some technical uh, technical things, and uh, we're going to be uh, we're going to be uh, broadcasting uh, audio tonight. And tomorrow we should be back up with video. Uh, tomorrow night we're going to have uh, Steve Quayle on, uh, along with Ross Powell. Hour two and hour three is going to be Steve Quayle. So it's it's all good. It's going to be good tonight. We've got Flip Benham on in the second segment. And um, Pastor David Langford, of course, our, will be our regular Wednesday guest. Every Wednesday, last hour, he's going to be coming on the last hour. It's Pastor David Langford, hour three. Uh, Pastor Flip Benham, hour two. And, of course, we have our number one here. Uh, Pastor uh, Langford is on the road. Um, he's going to be talking about some interesting things. Um, division, division, division. Division. So it's going to be one of the subjects we're going to be talking about with Pastor Langford division. And you know, it's it's saddened. I'm saddened to see the division within the body. I'm saddened to see the division among the conservatives. I'm saddened to see the divisiveness that's taking place within the families, within social cliques, within groups of people, within companies, within neighborhoods within cities, communities, everywhere. But it's, it's bound to happen. I'm just, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it all. I'm tired of these milquetoast idiots out there, morons, by definition, technically, I'm sure, by definition, with uh, room temperature IQs, thinking that, uh, you know, they're they are doing some, some great Christian... Uh, and, and, and you know, let me just say this: so if I am offending anyone, or if I do offend anyone, um, no apologies from me. I'm unapologetic when I say this. But when you've got r- people who believe that they're doing God's work by saying I'm not going to, you know, or I'm going to essentially cast my non-vote or cast my vote for Clinton or, or, or do something to, to, you know, to vote my conscience, but by trying to secure the election of a non-viable candidate, knowing how the system of governance in here in America works, if you are doing something, in my view, in my opinion, um, to have Hillary Clinton elected, then you are facilitating the more rapid demise of the United States and you are one selfish moron 
Uh, can I be any clearer than that? You are selfish by facilitating, in my view, the destruction of the United States by putting in a baby butcher, a Satan-worshipping... You talk about a misogynist. Hillary Clinton for president. Her relationship with the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia... 10 to 25 million in donations, 20% of her campaign finance through Saudi donations. Falling in the Glenn Beck, Glenn Beck, uh, category. I don't know. I don't, I, you know, I'm done. Hey, I'm done. I don't want to interrupt. No, interrupt. <laughs> you're, uh, you're not in the mood to hear this. Go to HagmanReport.com. And I want to thank whoever in, in YouTube. Uh, is, this, this, is this gonna, is this gonna be, am, am I gonna just, should I turn, should I mute my mic? Yes. It doesn't, I mean, it's nothing bad, but there's no site. It takes you to a Google main page. Which the site's been working fine all day. Uh, I updated it twice, once in the morning, and I put another story up there this afternoon. It was fine. Uh-huh. Are you getting the site or are you getting the Google? I'm deciding whether I should even <laughs> click on it. How's that? Well, you know, it's interesting. You know, when you bookmark websites, they have logos next to them. Uh, like YouTube has the red box with the play button in them. Blog Talk's a little blue circle with the white microphone in it. And next to my Hagman Report link, which I have two links, one for the uh, backdoor login, one for the uh, actual page, and now... The logo for the for the login is what it's always been, but the logo for this website is a Google image, like a G, colored G. All right, well we'll get we'll get it fixed. You know, I mean it's just one of those things where you know, who knows what happened. Who do who knows? You know, I mean it's just one of those things. Well, usually so, wouldn't you get a message saying the site's down or? Um, and I saw something, Pastor Langford's site, uh, there was something wrong with the server. You can't get on his site, thevoiceofevangelism.com, either. Welcome to the new normal, I suppose, and, and uh, how, how this is, uh, you know, how it plays out. Um, but but anyway, we'll, we'll get it fixed, of course. HagmanReport.com is our website. We'll get it fixed, uh, and whatever might be wrong with it. Gee whiz, maybe somebody will type out there, maybe he didn't pay his bill. You know, uh, that, that, that makes me laugh, alright. For want of a $50, uh, charge, you know. I, I remember being accused of that when we were kicked off of, uh, of, uh, GoDaddy. GoDaddy was our hosting company and they kicked us off because they didn't like our content. Despite me public, you know, making public the, uh, uh, the letter, the email from GoDaddy, despite that, despite Despite showing proof, it's like, well, you didn't pay your bill, and and that became the the norm, the meme, the, you know, uh, the story. So that's just the way that is, of course. And I'm, I'm sure people will will say something like that, you know. And who knows what it is? Um, who who knows why? But we'll 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 get on it. But but see that that's the that's the norm now. It, it, it's it's. And it's it's sad because you've got Christians involved in this self professional you know self described Christians involved in this kind of um, in this kind of mindset. You've got uh, you know it's you you've got these people that were once respected that were once you know really good 
with information that that are just kind of going off the going off the edge uh, lately. And and we were told this is gonna this was gonna happen, so we should not be surprised by it. We should ex- expect it. I mean, look at Megyn Kelly and Newt Gingrich. Neither one do I really care for that much, but they're folks. They, they had uh, in case you missed it. It's uh, there are YouTube videos and videos out there of, of the two. Um, they went at it. Yesterday. You know, Newt Gingrich. Uh, I don't really care for him. I mean, he's a globalist to the max. You've heard Paul McGuire talk about him, but in this case, he was correct. And Megyn Kelly showed her true colors, and of course, Megyn Kelly from Fox News. Um, to I, you know, I I often well, I shouldn't say often. Sometimes I I look at certain women and I'm thinking, can I, can I live with her? In other words, if you know, could she be my wife? I, man, there's just no way, no way. I mean, absolutely no way. Um, for a lot of reasons, most of them, most of them, can, uh, with respect to her, the, well, I'm just going to stop there I, it, because I, there, there's nowhere I'm going to go with that yeah, statement. Except the bottom line here is the, these 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 people, um, and and I'm seeing that I'm seeing the divisiveness. I'm seeing all of the the anger. I'm, I really, I really believe, folks, that that once the elections are over, we are going to see kind of an abatement of the anger, but we're going to see this resurgence of anger. We're going to see a different kind of anger, and that anger is going to be taken, depending on who wins. It's going to, it may be taken to the streets, it may be taken elsewhere, but it's going to be uh, an even more divisive anger. So it's not going to end with the elections. It's just going to be a different kind. And, and this, I believe, has to do with the um, with the uh, abandonment of our morals and of our integrity, of our principles, of our spirituality, and um, and I and I think that we were we're all part of this. We're all responsible to some extent for it. We need to repent. We need to get our spiritual moral compasses back. I just want to give a quick story. I'm going to toss it to Joe. It's at the bottom of the hour, Marianne, uh, or uh, uh, Maria Canise, author of Prepare for Persecution, is going to, going to come on board for about 10 minutes, 15 minutes. You know, the Clintons had taken um, their honeymoon in Haiti. You know, the Haiti component with respect to the Clinton Foundation. If you, did, if you haven't researched what the Clinton Foundation did to the country of Haiti, the destruction capitalism, that they were engaged in in Haiti, the money that they made, you know, it's it's so interesting when you listen to the left, the progressive, in, in quotation marks, the democratic, national, communists, the socialist, communist, whatever, on the left. Oh well, we built a factory in Haiti. Yeah, you did. Sure, you did. Your sixty thousand, you know, employee factory turned out to be sixty thousand and or six thousand, and, and your for what? For cheap labor. It had nothing to do with the earthquake. It had, the, of course, that was planned well before the earthquake in, in Haiti. But, but other things that they have, do, they had done, promised housing, never happened. Instead, built soccer stadiums by special interest groups. The, the amount of, of corruption, the, the destruction capitalism, as it is called, the amount of money made by Bill and Hillary Clinton, because of the earthquake and their friends is absolutely staggering. 
to take advantage of a country like Haiti. It's just absolutely staggering. You know, no wonder government workers are shunning Trump and giving their money to Clinton. I just want to address this because federal government employees are helping Hillary Clinton instead of Donald Trump. Does this surprise you? Of the roughly $2 million that federal workers from 14 different agencies have spent on presidential politics, about about 1.9 million, 95% went to the Democratic nominee's campaign. Now, just really, really quickly, employees, for example, the Department of Justice. This is a surprise. Hang on to this. Hang on, hang on about this. Employees of the Department of Justice, they investigated Clinton's use of the private email server when she was Secretary of State. Yeah, they gave Clinton 97% of their donations. Trump received $8,756 from DOJ employees compared with 286797 for Clinton. So did you, did you just hear what I just said? Nine grand from, uh, nine grand to Trump. 290 to Clinton. And I'm rounding up on both. So Clinton received 94% of the donations from the DOJ. Federal government employees overwhelmingly backed Clinton's presidential campaign, no matter what agency. This is reported on the Hill recently. Trump campaign spokesman uh, Jason Miller said these donation patterns are more evidence of the rigged system. You, you talk about the swamp that is the corruption in, in uh, D.C. I just didn't have a chance to today. I I've been in meetings and on the phone since 7.30 this morning, uh, which has contributed to my ill wind mood. But uh, having said that, uh, I didn't have a chance to, to, to identify the gators, the alligators in the swamp. That is the corruption inside the District of Columbia. But I, I intend to. One of which is Huma Abedin, which we talked about yesterday, first hour. Others are forthcoming. But you see, David Schultz, or I'm sorry, uh, uh, the um, Trump campaign spokesman, Jason Miller, said these donation patterns are evidence that the system is rigged that favors the establishment of candidates like Clinton over outsiders like Trump, for example. Yeah, that's right, it does. So think about that, $2 million Roughly two million from federal workers, fourteen agencies across the board. So out of two million, one point nine million went to Clinton. Yeah, shouldn't surprise anyone. And again, I, I'll be uh, I'll be uh, identifying the alligators in the swamp that needs to be drained. So Got that's some, coming up. Some interesting news out of Florida. The elections director of Broward County, Florida, um, is having private meetings with Hillary Clinton. Her name is Brenda uh, Snipes. Um, And people are asking, does this prove some type of collusion or fraud between uh, between the two? Uh, InfoWars uh, talked about this earlier today. And I uh, came across the, somebody snapped a photo of the two of them together, which is just goes to continue to show the uh, what you were just talking about the uh, elitist and establishment uh, working hand in hand to scratch each other's back. Also, another political Clinton news: Huma Abedin granted access to Hillary based on Clinton Global Initiative donor status. You know, we talk about the, the pay-to-play uh, scandal. Well, newly released emails show Hillary Clinton's top State Department advisor 
and close confidant Huma Abedin granted access to then-Secretary of State during overseas diplomatic visits based upon the donor status to the Clinton Global Initiative. A December 4, 2012 email obtained by Citizens United shared exclusively with the Daily Caller shows that Paul McElnery, CGI's head, the global, uh, Clinton Global Initiative head of member development, emailed Abedin asking if he could meet with Hillary Clinton during her trip uh, to Ireland two days later. Abedin said that she could accommodate him, and he then asked if several other people, including two other Clinton Global Initiative sponsors, could also meet Clinton, and the names were then forwarded to Abedin for consideration. She returned and asked, are these legit CGI people, meaning are these actual donors? Um, and it goes back and forth, and uh, basically it shows that the uh, the Irishman who was a billionaire who donated heavily to the Clinton uh, Global Initiative was granted access to a meeting with Clinton during her trip. The others, who were not donors, were not given access to Hillary Clinton. And there is more emails being obtained and gone through by Citizens United, which is suing the State Department for Huma Abedin's emails that show in April 2011, Doug Band, a longtime aide of Bill Clinton, who co-founded the Clinton Global Initiative, asked Abedin to invite Diego Donoso, an executive with Dow Chemicals offices in Japan, to a diplomatic session between Hillary Clinton and NATO can Japan's Prime Minister at the time. And this article from the Daily Caller, you can go there and read it yourself. I don't want to take up too much time. Goes out to lay out some of these uh, intricate relationships between big money donors to the Clinton Global Initiative, the amount that they donated, and how they were able to meet Hillary Clinton in the times that they were able to spend with her. And um, it gives comparisons to people who donated a million dollars per se, you know, were able to get a meeting to where other people who donated a hundred thousand were, were turned down. And it's from the emails it shows that it was based on just the donations alone. So you want to meet with Hillary Clinton? Even though she was in the State Department serving at a governmental capacity? Well, you better have had donated to her uh, you know, a million dollars plus to her uh, Global Initiative Foundation. And that's nothing new. Uh, you know, these WikiLeaks emails and other emails are constantly coming out showing the criminal relationships that uh, Clinton continued to uh, keep. I mean, I wonder how much money she's made over the years from speeches, from the donations, uh, you know, from the Haiti earthquake relief fund that she looted. It's got to be close to a billion dollars. And when you think about that, you got to ask, why is she even running for president? Does she need more money? Does she want more money, or is it the power? And it's pay-to-play, obviously. Much of it, <coughs> excuse me, much of it is pay-to-play. Clinton's campaign chairman had multiple dinners with top Justice Department officials during the Clinton email investigation. And Benghazi, if nothing else, spawned, or it really spawned the, uh, or, or uh, caused the Clinton emails to be her private server to be identified. If that's the only thing it did, and I, and I will argue that's the only thing that that did, uh, that investigation.
because we didn't see any di- indictments coming from Benghazi, from the, the Select Committee, House Select Committee, or any of the Senate investigations, or any of the uh, 11 or so investigations or dozen that were conducted about Benghazi, although we should have. But then again, that would have impl- implicated the, many of the... Uh, uh, many of the Republican establishment Republicans as well, but uh, the day the day after Clinton testified in front of the House Select Committee on Benghazi last year, last October, Podesta, it's these are in his emails now. The Democratic campaign chairman met for dinner with a small group of very well connected people, very well connected friends. Kazik, Peter Kazik, it was one, and he was a top <clears throat> official at, at Justice. Now dinner arrangement. <clears throat> this was shown in one of the Podesta emails that was released by WikiLeaks. I think it was 16, 15, I'm not sure. But uh, it's just the latest example of this conflict of interest between Clinton, the campaign, and the federal uh, uh, and Department of Justice. It's as simple as that. Kadzik uh, and Podesta, the Assistant Attorney General for Legislative Affairs, were in frequent contact. And it shows others being in contact with the Department of Justice. So so you've got this overlap, this incestuous overlap between Justice, all of the federal agencies, and Hillary Clinton and the Clinton Foundation. And you've got Huma Abedin, who's connected to the Muslim Brotherhood, who's connected to, uh, you know, this this big push for uh, female uh, general mutilation via her mother, uh, Saleh Abedin, uh, of course. And... The uh, Institute of uh, Muslim Minority Affairs, and, and of course their pub, their family publication, Huma's sister and Huma's brother, all uh, pushing for Sharia law, all proponents of Sharia law. Huma is a practicing Muslim herself, and Huma is the close confidant of Hillary Clinton. And as I said yesterday, Huma born January of America's Bicentennial, 1976, moved from Kalamazoo, Michigan, where she was born with her parents, to Saudi Arabia. Her father died uh, in 93, but, uh, and again, she was born in 76. She moved back with her family when she was 18, so she spent 16 years, her formative years, in Saudi Arabia, in, in immersed in the Sunni Muslim culture, moved, moves back to the United States, of course, <clears throat> And goes to George Washington University, where she joins the Muslim Student Association, where she uh, headed up, um, was on the board there for uh, uh, the, the Islamic board. And then what happened was Anwar El Awlaki came in and was the spiritual advisor under George Washington University of, of the Muslim of, uh, uh, Council. So Anwar El Awlaki, of course, was the was the Muslim who ministered to or was the spiritual guide for uh, a handful of the 9-11 hijackers. So this is how close you've got this Muslim Islamic cult infiltration in our federal government. So all of you people out there, all of you people out there, that all of you Christians out there who are saying, yeah, you know, I really can't wrap my brain, my, wrap my brain around voting for, for Donald Trump. And so you're going to cast your vote for Hillary, whether it is directly or indirectly. You think about that as, as you, as you have, as you've got Muslim, uh, these Muslim crazy ISIS, uh, murderous bastards coming to cut your head off, rape your wife, Generate uh, or mutilate, uh, you know, female. Uh, advocate your your daughter's uh, uh, general mutilation. Okay, that's fine. So that's where you're at. That shows me your room temperature IQ and your reasoning. And you're, you're a false Christian, in my view. 
That's my opinion. And by the way, I believe I'm still allowed to have opinions without without you know having a lawsuit filed against me. Am I right? Mm-hmm. And if not, bite me. Go on. Uh, in the Podesta emails, 32741, I don't know if you saw this, but this kind of dovetails of what you were just talking about. Uh, Asian American candidates, Muslim American candidates. This was an email from John Podesta uh, about candidates for uh, positions inside of the government. Um, Here is a compiled list of Asian Americans and Muslim Americans candidates for top administration jobs, sub-cabinet jobs, outside boards, policy committees, and they go on to make a list. And what they say is... um, the candidates for top jobs, I excluded those with some Arab-American backgrounds uh, who are not Muslim but have Muslim names. Many Lebanese-Americans, for example, are Christian. Um, we want to stay away from the Christians, they say. And they want most who are listed appear to be Muslim-Americans except that handful who we noted may be Arab-American but uns- of uncertain religions, especially Christians. And they go on to talk about... Um, how the you know out of these three lists that they gave the top the two lists are the top list and they want to fill positions inside the top levels of government with uh Muslim Americans and they come right out and say it and this is an email from 2008 and uh switching gears just before the break here Sheriff Joe Arpaio was officially charged with criminal contempt by a federal judge yesterday uh Tuesday, a federal judge ordered Arizona lawman Joe Arpaio to stand trial in December on a criminal contempt charge of violating the terms of a court ruling against a controversial sheriff in a 2007 So wait a second, Hillary Clinton is is able to run for president and Arpaio is going to be put on trial. That's That's the bizarre world in which we live today. What sense does that make? Hillary Clinton, the, the, the most corrupt um, murdering demonic entity out there. Do we have music coming in or not? Or is that is that off for tonight? We're I think it's off for tonight. Stuff, folks. So just bear with us um, one more night of this, and and then we'll then we'll get back up. And JD, if you're listening to this broadcast, we need you to look into um, the uh, website hackmanreport.com. Thanks, Todd. Oh wait, we do have music. See, Todd's, Todd. The, the, I, I mean, how great is that? How great is Todd? You be the man, Todd. It's the first time I smiled about six hours, so thanks, brother. We'll be back with Maria Canise right after this break, and after that, hour two, Flip Benham, Reverend Flip Benham, and hour three, Pastor David Langford. Don't go anywhere. That's what happens, folks. You know, you you spend half the day with attorneys and talking to attorneys and going through legal papers, and you know, people think that uh, that we're not making a difference. I was talking to Dave Hodges today too, and uh, of course, he he found some information in his state. Eighty percent of the votes were have been already cast, mailed in. Yeah, how does that happen? Uh, yeah. Legitimately, how does that happen? 
Mm-hmm. Texas is having some issues too. Uh, they're all having issues. They actually, um, flips. Greg Abbott made an, an, an announcement and the, uh, the Texas voting machines here are what they're doing. Texas County enacts emergency paper ballots after software glitch and voting machines. When the voting machines were, uh, when people were trying to vote straight Republican, the machines are switching their presidential selection to Clinton Kane. Uh, most, People undoubtedly dismiss these reports as conspiracy theories, but new government reports from Chambers County, Texas, show that might be truth to the voting machine irregularities. And they have enacted emergency protocols yesterday to revert back to paper ballots after the glitches were discovered in the county's voting machines. That's interesting. You know, see, this is, again, the larger picture, I believe, we look back, the larger picture is to cast doubt on the legitimacy of our elections, regardless of, well, I shouldn't say regardless, if if Donald Trump wins, of course, the legitimacy of our elections will will be in doubt. And that's going to start a cascade, in my view, cascading a series of events. And I really want people to really pay attention. Now, in addition, that's going to make the time between the election day, whenever that has been officially, that the winner has been officially decided, as well as, uh, or from that period, or from that day, that moment forward to Inauguration Day, it's going to be one of the most dangerous periods, I believe, in American history. Now, if, if uh, Hillary Clinton wins, I see a different uh, sort of thing taking place, but not too much differently. I, I do believe that that will also be a very perilous time in American history. Watch for uh, guns of all types to be purchased in mass, even more so than before Obama, or, or you know, right in the 2008 time period, into 2012, as they were. Watch for that to happen. Watch for um, um, manufactured unrest, blood on the streets, and uh, in addition to additional blood on the altar, citing Tom Horn's book. And, and just as to my comment last, I, last comment about uh, how I spent my day. You, you know, I, I just want to say this: um, you poke the bear too much, the bear does, the bear does fight back. And, and you know, when, when you, uh, it, I, I really, the, the the people in the alternative media, I have to give a hat tip to everyone who's out there really pushing hard for the truth. I really do. Thank you for being on the front lines. Because it's not easy, and, and people think that it's it's this cottage hobbyist kind of activity. It's not. Before we get to Maria Canese, author of Prepare for Persecution, who's going to discuss Clinton and Haiti, the relationship there, I want to bring your attention to Greenovative. It's a small company in Florida. They created something called the GMAG power cell that produces electricity by adding salt water to the unit. <clears throat> it's a battery charger. It's the neatest thing I've ever seen. The newest development is this Super GMAG battery recharger with a replaceable magnesium power pl- pucks. The Super GMAG charger will charge six um, AA or AAA rechargeable batteries in about three hours. And the power pucks, magnesium power pucks, are, are reusable. You can charge six AA or AAA batteries over 20 times per pair of these power pucks. You don't need sun. You don't need wind or 
a hand crank. All you need is a little ordinary table salt, about two teaspoons worth, and a little water. You shake it for a few seconds, and the unit instantly makes electricity. And you can even charge your cell phone. I mean, it's just a great little device. It's it, it's it's a ad, absolutely you need it for your perhaps your bug out bag. It's the Super G Magus. Super affordable. It's lightweight. It weighs about eight ounces. It's durable. It's EMP proof. Environmentally friendly. What more can you ask for? The charger will provide convenient and safe power for recharging batteries off the grid. And when other power sources are not available anywhere, anytime, in any weather, day or night. And it's, it really has an indefinite shelf life. It'll charge an unlimited number of batteries just by replacing the power pucks. And even if you're in a pinch and you don't have any salt water, water, you can actually run it on urine. If you're alive, you have power. There's no moving parts to it. And uh, it's really a great device, folks. Visit. Go to HagmanReport.com and click on the link to Greenovative. You got You got to. You got to. You got to check it out. You've got to check it out. So go to HagmanReport.com and click on the link to Greenovative. It's a super, super device. All right. Without any further ado, <clears throat> excuse me. I apologize for my voice. Like I said, I've been talking all day, listening or talking probably more than I should have been listening, but talking all day. I'm gonna go right to Marie Canise, author of Prepare for Persecution, folks. If you don't have Prepare for Persecution, let me tell you, go to Amazon.com right now and and buy it. It's a great book. It's in, it's been revamped, revised. I I was honored to write the foreword to this book, and it's well needed. You talk about an essential for your bug out bag. There it is. Prepare for persecution, and the the proceeds benefit this marvelous marvelous author, great Christian, Maria Canis. Maria, welcome to the Hagman Report. God bless you guys. Um, I'm afraid this is not exactly going to be uplifting what I have to share here. I, I like to strengthen the brethren, you know, encourage the brethren, but this is, I've got some encouragement at the end. I, if I give rough stuff, I'd like to give a biblical antidote, you know what I mean? Um, Steve Quayle has, has a, a Q alert asking people to pray and fast about the election, especially tomorrow, which is Thursday. And here's one reason why we need to do that. Both Bill and Hillary Clinton are into voodoo. In other words, we know they're witches already, or Hillary is, but it turns out, uh, according to Doc Marquis, both of them are witches. And on top of that, they're both into voodoo. Voodoo is literally demonic. It hates the God of the Bible, it hates Christians, and it hates Christian morality. Therefore, if Hillary becomes president, then we're going to face some serious persecution. Both Bill and Hillary have participated in special voodoo rituals in order to get the power to become president. Bill did that before. Hillary did it in 2008. I don't know if she's done it since then. Probably not since the earthquake. The Haitians don't like them so much anymore, but uh, <laughs> uh, at least not down in Haiti she wouldn't have. But anyway, according to Doc Marquis, that would involve selling their souls to the devil. <clears throat> Uh, Doc Marquis says both Hill and Bill and Hillary are Illuminati witches, and Hillary is a higher level occultist than Bill is, which is probably one of the reasons why he's cowed by her. Um, plus, she's a pretty ferocious woman. <laughs> you know, and I, she, again, she, but they, they both spent their honeymoon in Haiti, and it wasn't to build, you know, it wasn't missionary work. And I just find that really odd. And of course, you're correct in, in, in the, the um uh the hatred by the Haitians, especially in in um 
southern Florida. Yeah, the, you know the hatred uh, against both both the Clintons and the Clinton Foundation, and, um, and rightly so. Yes, yes. Except that's not good for them to hate like that either. Hate will eat you up too. The Clintons tore them up, and now the hatred is tearing them up. That's that's not that's a double whammy. Well, that's true. Yeah. But, now, uh, but, little, but yeah, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Here's a little thing about uh, voodoo. Okay. Voodoo rituals involve blood sacrifices. We know Satanism does. Voodoo does too. Okay? Now, usually it's animals, but some voodoo people do human sacrifice, especially for really important things, like uh, somebody with lots of money that's going to pay you to get the power to be president. Right? When uh, they did it for Bill, according to the Haitian publications, uh, the, the word in Haiti is that a baby was sacrificed not at the time when it was publicly done, but before, a lot of really nasty stuff was done at the location where that ritual was done with Bill Clinton more publicly later. They they did it in the guise of, a, we're celebrating the freedom of Haiti, we've gotten Aristide back, their democracy, yeah, they got rid of this occult voodoo monster who was ruining the country, and then... And Bill Clinton forced him to take, sent troops down to force him to take him back because the guy did him a favor, did him some favors and stuff. Namely, he sent him a voodoo guy to help him get elected the first guy time. <laughs> so in exchange for that, he gets Aristide back into power. Uh, wow. So, <laughs> wow. I mean, you, and they you can't sacrifice even... the baby. You, yeah, you can't make this stuff up, right? <laughs> wow. Yeah. So we wonder yeah, how come they're so big on abortion? Well, it goes with the territory, doesn't it? Yeah, it, yeah, it 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 does. It's and being a warmonger does too, doesn't it? Kill it, yeah. let them die in in Benghazi, let them die in Syria. The more blood, the better, because the gods will be pleased and they'll do favors for you, right? You pay yeah. them off. It's another form of bribery, isn't it? Yeah, you could say that. I, yeah, yeah, it would be. I, anyway, if you got married, you wouldn't go to Haiti to do voodoo, would you? They did that in 1975. They weren't even running for president then. Well, Bill wasn't even, I don't know if he was even governor then. I don't know when that happened. But anyway, they went to a voodoo ritual on their honeymoon. Oh, gee, isn't that romantic, right? Hey. <laughs> it, so, it, it, uh, it was, it was a, it was a uh, collegiate, uh, you know, intellectual cultural, multicultural experience. Uh, no, I, I don't know. Mm, I, how exactly. do you even justify that? Well, they've got two kinds of voodoo down there. One is for public consumption for the tourists, and that's real tame. Then they they saw, went to the real thing. And Bill just Bill was so pleased with it all, he wrote about it in his memoirs. It's so important, he wrote about it in his autobiography for the public, no less. A man and woman became demon-possessed. He doesn't call it that, but it's obvious to us. The guy rubs burning, a burning torch all over his body without getting harmed, and then he walked on hot coals without being burned. And then the woman went into a screaming frenzy, and she grabbed a live chicken and bit its head off while the thing's still alive. Now, you like that so much you're going to write about it in your memoirs? What kind of a weirdo is that, huh? <laughs> That's rather... I, I don't even know how, I would, how to describe something like that. Um, and, and on your honeymoon... Yeah, well, it was the yeah. 70s after all, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe they took enough LSD to make it seem like fun. I don't know, but... 
No, I, it, it, there's no justification for anything like that. No. But, but you're right. And a lot of, a lot of people don't, don't realize the depravity that we're, you know, you hear things like this, but you don't, or, or, or you hear, um, the suggestions about things like this, but you really, people don't really understand the, the serious nature of this. If people would listen to, to example, for example, to, to Russ Dizdar, and understand the meaning behind some of these these ceremonial these ritualistic events, then obviously they would really understand why things are taking place. Well, they'd understand. People, there's understand. a lot. There's a lot going on. Yeah. yeah. Uh, now, in '92, uh, when he was running for president, Bill Clinton followed the advice of a voodoo priest, Jean Bertrand Aristide, the exiled president of Haiti, provided to him. Right. One of the things he had to do is during the last week of the campaign, he wasn't allowed to change his underwear. He had to keep wearing the same underwear day and night, 24-7. Well, well, and he put curses on Herbert Walker Bush. And there was a very visible result from that. The Haitians say that this is a result of the curses. Did you know that um, President Bush did projectile vomiting into the lap of the Prime Minister of Japan... Oh, yeah. He was in front of the world press and disgraced him in the eyes of the public. And the Haitians say that's because of those curses. Wow. Yeah, I, I remember that, that event. I think they place. blame food poisoning. Uh, bad well, sushi, bad sushi. you got to come up with some kind of a reason, but the Haitians are sure it was the curses. Uh, well, you know, it, and it goes back to the, that saying, it's not. it really doesn't matter what we believe, it matters what they believe. And in this case, the belief can be such that well, the, the police, the, yes, go on. I'm going to stop there. Go on. I'm going to make a little aside here. I, I happen to know a woman who's a very godly Christian woman, the wife of a pastor, but she was raised by a woman who was, her mother was a, one of these old world, really vicious black witches, but killing curses on people. And when this little girl was growing up, her mother would say, you know, Mrs. So-and-so down the street, she's going to die. And within a few days, Mrs. So-and-so would be dead. So killing curses and work. Curses work. Now, one day... A Christian woman showed up at the front door, and she said, I know what you're trying to do to me, and it's not going to work. The Christian woman did not die, and shortly after that, the witch went stark, raving mad, and she's been totally insane for years and years ever since then. No, and I don't want to make, well, I'm going to kind of make a, a joke on this because of the uncomfortable nature of this. Not a joke, but a, a kind of a humorous reference. Is that like, uh, I'm rubber, you're glue? You know, whatever bounces or what bounces off me sticks to you. Well, I think it, it literally did bounce off. R- right, right, and, and again, and trying to in, in, inject a little bit of humor here, but, but that's when you've got that 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 cloak of uh, Christian cloak of armor. That, exactly. Right? I mean, yeah. I think what happened is the demons couldn't get the. They were sent out on assignment to get the Christian woman. When that didn't work, they got mad and went back and got the woman who sent them. The witch you sent him. Hmm. And see, the Christian had protection by the blood of Jesus. The witch had no protection at all. At this point, if her daughter gives her a plate of spaghetti, instead of eating it, she will sit there for hours and keep counting the noodles over and over and over. That's how far insane she is. Wow. But she still puts curses on people. She remembers how to do that. Including her daughter. Her daughter is very accident prone. She's never been able to kill the daughter, but the wow. daughter has a lot of accidents. She did when she was visiting us. She fell down our stairs and broke her ankle. Now, now this is this is because of we, uh, I, I forgive my ignorance, but the, the possession, I suppose. 
or 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 wouldn't it be possession? Well, yeah, if she's that evil, she's possessed. Sure, you open yourself up to that to get powers when you invoke these spirits, right? All right. So, so, so it's, a, it's a progressive, progressive pro, there's a progression here. Yeah, I would uh, think so. Okay. But the All point right. is this stuff's for real, but we need to keep remembering God is much more real. He's much bigger. Jesus said, if I, by the finger of God, cast out devils, the finger, it's not a wrestling match. It's like swashing a bug, okay? Right. We need to keep that perspective, but we also need to be alert and aware and have our armor on and also do spiritual hygiene. In other words, repent, forgive, no long-term anger. The Bible warns us that that gives place to the devil. It gives him a beachhead, a launching pad. We need to watch out for those kinds of things. We need to... Spiritual hygiene is very important. And then there's the authority to cast out demons, which is very valuable, but, you know, if you've got... One time we had a bunch of flies in the house and kept killing them. I mean, dozens and dozens of flies every day. Couldn't Where get was rid Obama? Of was Obama yeah, there? Good point. Or Hillary? Yeah. You know, but anyway, sorry. Well, then the, the uh, pest control guy discovered a dead snake in a crawl space. Well, when he got that oh. out of there, all at once the flies went away. So there are two approaches to demons. One is keep chasing them out, and the other is get rid of the things that draws them. Get sure. rid of all bitterness, anger, long-term anger, unforgiveness. And the Bible absolutely tells us we have to forgive or else we'll, we'll be tormented. Uh, mm-hmm. We have to repent of sins. We have to invite God to clean our hearts. Spiritual hygiene. You know, if I, if I let my feet get sweaty and stay that way, I'll, I'll get the athlete's foot. we got to have hygiene. Well, you sure. let your spirit get equivalent, you'll, you'll draw other bad things. See what I mean? Yeah, and, and, and things and, things are ramping the, up. That's you know that's a perfect in my view anyway. That's a perfect example of of, of Hillary Clinton in many respects. What you're, what you're describing both, um, well, it, it, on on all sides of Hillary Clinton. Um, mm-hmm. but, but go on, you know. I, I she's been yeah. attracting all this stuff. Okay, according to Haitian publications. Uh, the Haitian voodoo priests claim credit for Bill Clinton's political success. He was reelected. In addition, although he got impeached, he remained in office and wasn't politically damaged by the impeachment. All Congress did was slap his wrist. Um, I have a friend whose church has missionaries in Haiti. According to them, back in 2008, Hillary came to Haiti to participate in voodoo rituals in order to get the power to become president. Well, she didn't. That didn't work. She became Secretary of State instead. And now she's trying to become president again. By the way, I read that when um, Senator Obama was in Kenya in 2007, he went to the witch doctors and had them do rituals to give him the power to be president. So we had two occult systems fighting one another for power there. I, I do believe uh, that's been verified that during that that trip, and you said 2007. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, his, seven, yes. or seven or eight. Right. Mm-hmm. It was in, in that period of time prior. Yes, that's been verified. His his meeting with the um, spirit guides. I, I don't recall the, the name that they assigned to, to the people that he met with. Not witch doctors, but the equivalent thereof. They have some nice name. You know, they sure. could call him a medicine man or whatever, some kind of a name. They've got names for the voodoo priests, too, but they're sorcerers and witch... And... Yep. They're cultists, and yeah. 
Well, it's like you can call uh, someone a medicine man or, or a shaman or a witch doctor. They're all the same thing. It means the same thing. Right. Uh, right. Let's see. Oh, yeah. Here we go. Um... When Bill Clinton went to, uh, according to Aristide, the guy that was the president of Haiti that got back in power, he has a newspaper. According to his newspaper, Aristide developed a powerful grip on Clinton, Bill Clinton's psyche or spirit through the power of voodoo. Yep. Because Bill Clinton voluntarily participated in the voodoo ritual, he placed himself under the spiritual control of the voodoo sorcerer or priest. And that means the same probably happened to Hillary because she went down there to get to voodoo to get a power to become president too in 2008. So uh, Bill Clinton went there in order to get power, and in the process he came on, on, under the power of an occultist who was stronger in the occult than he was. Now one thing struck me: this could be a foretaste of what we will see with the Antichrist. He will be a man who has become completely controlled by the devil. Since we're living in the end times, it's valuable to recognize previews of what's coming. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, here's something else. Doc Marquis says that Bill Clinton is a charmer. This is an occultist who has a supernatural ability to charm people into complying with what he wants them to do. This is occult, and it includes putting charming spells on people. They can do it with large groups, even with the entire nation. And this nation at this point has become so secular, the Christians have gotten so many of them watered down and weak, and so much of many people who go to church aren't even real Christians anymore. They're just like the world. So they have no defense against this, you know? If we're filled with the Holy Spirit and we're obeying God... Yes, but the Bible says submit to God, resist the devil. You can't resist the devil if you're not submitted to God. So how do you resist these spells? For instance, go to the Harry Potter movies where they actually put a spell on the er on the audience in the course of the movie from the screen. See, you know, I, and I have to admit, I had a hard time really believing that 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 could actually be done in in folks. Um, Maria Kinesis, who we're talking with, the author of Prepare for Persecution, and other books. But go to Amazon, folks, and, and invest in your copy of Prepare for Persecution. Do it, do it today, please. Um, for a lot of reasons, the the biggest of which is it's the required book. I mean, it's a great book. But having said that, um, you know, all oh, yeah. Well, just continue. I, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I this is important stuff. Very important. So. Go ahead. Okay. Well, Doc Marquis said that Bill Clinton's charming capacity is the main reason that Clinton is so effective in gaining the support of so many people, even in the midst of unbelievable and historically unprecedented scandals. So there's more involved with, like, the mainstream media following the Clintons and protecting them. There's more involved in that than just bribery and blackmail and brainwashing. There's an occult side to this. There's a supernatural component here. Mm. And this could explain why some people are so blindly following Hillary in spite of obvious reasons why they should shun her. She doesn't have that charm, but Bill does. He's a charmer, and he's using his charm on Hillary's behalf because if she gets elected, then it will be a co-presidency. She will be talked of this time, but he will still be co-president. Now, I had an interesting thing happen when Bill was in, in 
power, and I read about some of the murders and some of the really horrible things they were doing, and I knew this stuff. I was studying it like crazy. But I had to watch a, a video. I got a news video. I bought it because it had something in there I needed, and before I could get to that, it showed Bill Clinton coming off the off Air Force One, and I felt myself so drawn to this man. I knew better, but this feeling of being drawn to him, he looked, it just pulled on me emotionally. Now, I had to shake myself and do a double double take, and, and I threw it off. I was able to throw it off, but a lot of people would not be able to do that. You see, there was something there that had a lot more to do than anything natural with how he looked or was carrying himself. And I Super knew better, because yes. I'd been doing the research. Maria, we've got about 45 seconds is all, and I'm sorry, I did take some of your time up here, and I didn't mean to do that, but uh, we're going to have to have you back to talk more about this, especially as the election draws near. Would you be okay with that? Oh, yeah, I'd love to do that. Okay, all right. Well, that's not quite the right word, because it's hard to think about this stuff, but you know what I mean? I want to I want to help the war effort, let's put it that way. Oh, I, I want, yeah. Well, I want to get the truth out. And, and also, you do such a great job doing it, too. Thank you for doing it. Go ahead. There's an old saying, it's better to be hanged for stealing a sheep than for stealing a lamb. I'm already in trouble because I wrote the book, so I might as well go whole hog and, and expose everything I can because I'm already in trouble, so let's do something to make it worthwhile, right? There you I'm going to pay the price anyway. All in. All in. <laughs> <laughs> God, God bless, bless you guys. You All right. Thanks for coming on you. Good night. That was night. Uh, Maria Canise, author of Prepare for Persecution, available on Amazon.com. I highly recommend the book, and she's such a dear lady. She's a good friend of the show. Knowledgeable is all get out. I mean, really, in her book, when you read Prepare for Persecution, her expanded edition, my goodness, um, so much meat, so much information, and a lot of inspiration. Folks, we're going to break back. You're listening to the Hagman and the Hagman Report. Other side, Flip Benham. Next two segments. Stay right where you're at. The Hagman and the Hagman Report. Thank you, folks, for staying with us. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for your belief and trust in us. Well, what a minefield of current events that we have out there. The elections looming. What another uh, thirteen days, twelve days before they're over, and the real work, the real assessment, the real issues begin. I believe. I mean, the run up to the elections, of course, is important. But once that. Um, day once that once the winner is announced i think at that point we are going to have a much clearer picture as to the work what what jobs that we need to do and either we it doesn't matter who wins we're going to have a lot of work to do before we get to our guest folks i just want to mention that uh, tc joseph has got one of the finest series of novels out there he's got a very thrilling series uh, in fact T.C. Joseph takes us into the lives of three families in a world where conspiracy theories and biblical prophecies collide. 
His novels move through recent history to the events that are just on our horizon. He's got a really witty style and fascinating characters in his books. It, his books provide just a really great read for those cool, cold uh, winter nights and fall nights if you're sitting by the fire. Not only will you love these books, but they can be a great tool to awaken family and friends um, to the perilous times that we face. Kirkus reviews. They state that readers of end times fiction, well, you're going to be hard-pressed to find it done more intriguingly than this. Extremely readable and fast-paced. Blue Ink Reviews calls this thought-provoking series absolutely riveting. Folks, get your copies of T.C. Joseph's This Generation series on Amazon.com today. Book 1, Precipice. Book 2, Pentecost. And coming shortly, Book 3, Penance. That's T.C. Joseph's This Generation series of novels available at Amazon. That's T.C. Joseph. This generation series of novels. And this hour, we are joined by Reverend Flip Benham. He has been a frequent guest and friend of the show. His website is operationsaveamerica.org. That's operationsaveamerica.org. Flip, it's great to have you back on. It's been a while. It has been, and it's good to be with you, Joe and Doug. And I thank God for you, and thank God for your ministry, and pray you'll continue on and continue the march and be faithful to the end. We can't find resignation papers, Flip. (laughs) We've been looking for the You'll find that in a graveyard somewhere, but that's that's (laughs) the time you get your peace and you resign when you die. But right now, we have a race to run. You guys are running it well, and I'm really glad that our courses are paralleling this evening. Well, we're glad to have you, uh, Flip. I don't know when the last time you were on was, but I uh, did a quick Google search of your name earlier to see what what fun (laughs) stuff pops up. You know, I do that sometimes with guests. And um, you've been making some waves, specifically in Charlotte. Uh, I see Right Wing Watch really got on. You know something? You did the best. That was the best. You folks, well, we posted it on Hagman Report, the three-minute address to the city council. I thought, you know, I, I wanted to be you. Okay, I wanted to be you. I wanted to be there. I thought, man, I wish I would have said that. Yeah, folks, if you if you haven't seen it, just uh, search Hagman Report for Flip Benham uh, and watch that, or or go to uh, find it on YouTube. But we'll repost it. But man, that was like the greatest. That was. I wanted like to buy a steak dinner afterwards. Uh, man. <laughs> well, thanks. I would I would have taken the steak dinner, and believe me, I was. Uh, you know, I, I was privileged to be. You know, I've been back at that since that time. I have been back there twice, speaking to our city council, and and our city council, of course, has really instigated this whole thing called HB seventy two or HB two, which uh, which declares that men will use men's bathrooms and women will use women's bathrooms that's a novel idea and uh, and that's what hb2 in essence is and you can't sue somebody if they don't have a special bathroom for you or if some guy wants to go into a girl's restroom he can't sue a business that doesn't have it doesn't allow him to do that very thing so hb2 
was a was a bill that was passed in, in in Charlotte, North Carolina, to stop the insanity that was going on in the Charlotte City Council, led by a lady, our mayor, named Jennifer Roberts. And what they did was they added five new categories to the non-discrimination ordinance of Charlotte. And those five new categories were marital status. You can't discriminate on the basis of marital status, on um, a sexual orientation, on gender expression, and gender identity. And, and so what they were doing is simply codifying what is a sin and what is known as a sin in the Bible, homosexual sodomy, and saying that now... It is illegal to discriminate against that. In other words, we have made in the city of Charlotte a moral wrong, uh, a, in quotes, civil right. And, and what I simply said is that you cannot make a moral wrong a civil right. I mean, it is not a sin to be a black person. Born black, it's not a sin. It's not a sin to be born a woman. It's not a sin to be born a man. So you don't discriminate on the basis of, of race or uh, gender or ethnicity or age or handicap. And those were the five categories that were in the non-discrimination ordinance. And our city council wanted to add five more. And when they did that, they just opened Pandora's box. Because the whole battle is about a redefinition of the truth. And the whole thing was begun on February 28th right here at our city council. And it was done because North Carolina is a battleground state. And there was no way that the Democrats were even going to be in the contest in the run for governor, a lieutenant governor, attorney general. There, there was no way that they were going to be able to compete. So they got this issue and they jumped on it and they used it as a political club. And, and believe me, our, our state has been turned upside down and around and around and, and things are... I mean, this we're, our state is on the edge of, of whether we're going to be a, a red state or a blue state. It's just we're on that we're on that cusp, and it wasn't that way before. We were we were way ahead, and now we are. Well, you so know, Charlotte has her way, uh, Flip. Uh, it's going to be a black and blue state. I mean, really, you know. Well, brother, yeah. But, and when we got the when we had the Black Lives Matter out there in the streets, we knew that that was coming. We knew that if they were going to go ahead and take their middle finger and poke it right in the eye of Almighty God, that blood was going to begin to course uh, down the corners of our schools, workplaces, and streets. And indeed, that's exactly what happened. And so I, I made that you know I made that statement on July twenty fifth, and in September we had just in, incredible turmoil in the streets um, and and God is the answer That's to right. all of this our Lord but see we are experiencing the judgments of God right now in our state in our city and of course in our nation and we have to see these judgments you know I'm looking forward to November 9th I hope you are <laughs> as a matter of fact I'm going to be very thankful when November 9th gets here because then we're going to know what we have to do exactly. what we're called to do and I think that you guys are going to be a part of the voice of our Lord as as he uses you to bring the message out that there we cannot become hopeless I can remember 
uh, back in 1992 when William Jefferson Clinton won the election and so many people were dispirited. I mean, those of us have been fighting the battle for the lives of little baby boys and girls, and here we've got a guy that is, is, has, is really owned by Planned Parenthood. He did everything for abortion but build an abortion mill in the West Wing of the White House. He, he, he was an enemy of God, and there were so many people in 92 so dispirited that this guy won. And, and, and what were we going to do? Well, you know, what, what we didn't know is that in 1991, it was the zenith of the pro-choice movement where, you know, more than half of our country was for abortion. And, and since 1991 to today, um, since that time, well, let me give you, from 1991 through the eight years of William Jefferson Clinton, abortions, the number of surgical abortions went down 40%. The number of abortion mills in 1991, freestanding abortion mills in 1991, was 2,600. Now, today, there are 512 left. What's going on? How could that have happened? The number of abortionists dropped 40%. Now, this is, this is just in this year when we thought everything was at a loss because of the election cycle and the fact that we had lost that two elections. You know, we ran Bob Dole, which was a joke, and Jack Kemp in 1996, and the Republican Party lost. And, and, and it's going to continue to lose, and it will never stand. It never will. It never could. The gates of hell will always prevail against the Republican Party, but the gates of hell cannot prevail against the Church of Jesus Christ. But here's what happened to us. In 1992, we were out in the streets. We began to bring the church out in the streets. Look, what can we do? We can't control what they do in Washington, D.C. We can't undo uh, the election results. What we're going to do is just bring Jesus to the gates of hell. We're going to do it in person. We're going to do it up close and in front and and live out loud this gospel and allow the theology of heaven to become biography right at the gates of hell. And, and that's when we began to see incredible victories. And when we moved our, our national office in Dallas, Texas, right next to an abortion mill called the Wear Women, um, <laughs> amazing things happened because Time Magazine and all sorts of other um, News agencies came out to cover this. I mean, that parking lot was always filled with satellite trucks because, you know, the lady that was right next door to us, her name was Norma McCorvey. She is the Jane Roe of Roe versus Wade. And they said, Operation Rescue meets <laughs> Jane Roe. There's going to be violence. And, of course, there was violence, but violence of a different sort. It was a violence of the heart because God began to work in Norma McCorby's heart. We were there right next to her, and, and God saved her out of that place, saved her from her sin, set her upon a rock and put a new song in her mouth, and she began to sing it. And it was shocking, and I was privileged to baptize her on August 8th of 1995, right in a swimming pool, one of our friend's swimming pools. We baptized her there. It was on ABC World News tonight. She was on Ted Koppel a little bit later on, on Nightline that night. But it was an amazing thing as we were beginning to see God do things that were exceedingly abundantly above all we asked or imagined. You see, in the midst of all of the 
feeling like we had failed, we'd lost the election, what nothing was working out right, we began to do things. We began to give God an opportunity to show up and show off. And sure he did. So, you know what? There were six other people in that abortion mill that gave their hearts to Christ also. It was so bad for Jasper Alawalia, who was the abortionist there, that he said that, listen, for you or anybody in this business who associates with anyone next door at Operation Rescue will be considered a reason, you know, to be fired. And they had to sign that thing. I mean, that's what the power of the gospel does. You know, sometimes I think we lose all sight of that because we're so busy about worrying about this. You know, who's going to, is he, is it possible that this one's going to make it or that one's going to make it? And, and you know what? Our concern really ought to be, am I doing what I can do? I'm not going to worry about what happens on November 8th. I'm going to work hard. I was a cruiser to begin with. I'm going to vote for Mr. Trump because, listen, I'll just give you a little rundown. An abortion on demand, Hillary Clinton says yes. Donald Trump says no. To repeal Obamacare, Hillary Clinton says no. Trump says yes. Federal tax increase. Clinton says yes, Trump says no. Same-sex marriage. Clinton says yes, Trump says no. Common core. Clinton says yes, Trump says no. School vouchers. Clinton says no. Trump says yes. Amnesty for illegal aliens. Clinton says yes, Trump says no. Iran nuclear deal. Clinton says yes, Trump says no. Defund Planned Parenthood. Clinton says no. Trump says yes. First Amendment Defense Act. Clinton says no. Trump says yes. I mean, how difficult is it if 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 we weren't so concerned about uh, you know Flipped the character it, of this guy? And believe I, I don't know, brother. Me, he is well, loutish. I, I, you're, you're confusing me with the facts, with important issues. <laughs> I, I, you know. I, but I, I make light of it. Uh, no, isn't that what a what a spectacular rundown of the important issues? And have we heard that in the totality of the three debates? No, we haven't heard what you just said. I mean, we've heard bits and pieces, but it's it's uh, lacks substance. People, everything has lacked substance uh, with respect to both candidates here. So well, what it's you just said, on purpose. Point. There is a devil. He's alive, and we're not ignorant of his schemes. And that's where we have to have eyes. We have to be as wise as serpent and as gentle as doves. We've got to see what's really going on here. And of course, what's going on here is a redefinition of the truth. But let me just uh, let me just tie up this loop right behind me um, as we were... Uh, so these ladies, people were giving their hearts to Christ at the abortion mill and that abortion mill is shut down. It's no longer there. And there wasn't one law passed. There wasn't one executive order issued. There wasn't a Supreme Court that changed its mind about Roe versus Wade. What happened was that the abortion cannot continue on when the Church of Jesus Christ is doing what she's called to do, to love their neighbor as themselves, to love God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. And when you begin to see your neighbor as that little baby boy or girl safe in a mother's womb, and that mother is a desperate in a desperate crisis, and, and desperate people do desperate things, she doesn't feel like she has any choice. She feels like an animal caught in a trap trying to gnaw off her own leg to get free. And when the church comes and says, listen, you don't have to do that. 
God loves you. And listen, he'll open up that trap and he will take what you believe to be a curse and turn it into a wonderful blessing. And you'll be able to see that little baby boy or girl. And you will find out that rather than children being a curse, you'll find out they're the greatest blessing that you have. And it spares that mother. Listen, we were and are winning the battle with abortion. It is being won as the church just lives out her faith in the street. Already this year in the city of Charlotte, we have three abortion mills and we have had 341 moms change their mind. We've got two uh, crisis pregnancy center RVs out there with nurses that uh, will do the RV for free, uh, do the uh, sonogram without charge. We've got so much help and we're helping to get these folks into churches as they go on. People are getting saved. It is a wonderful thing. Listen, it will stop the discouragement of watching ABC, CBS, NBC, CNN, and Fox News. I hate Fox News. I am sick and tired of Fox News trying to pretend like it's the voice of reason and the voice of God. It is not that, I can guarantee you. And, uh, and But what I do see are people that are ready and just looking for, show me some hope. Well, I can show you small little victories every day. We can take you up to the school board and get you involved with our school board, with our city council, with our county commission, with the city council down in Charlotte. We're just looking for people that are willing to stand and rightly represent God, allow the theology of heaven to become biography in the streets, and God will show up. And all of a sudden, the hopelessness of that terrible election back in 1992 turned into a great revival of we can do this. We don't have to wait for Congress. We don't have to wait for the Supreme Court or the president. We don't have to wait for our county commissioners. All we have to do is show up, and there are little victories every day. And slowly but surely, now we started out with 2,600 abortion mills in 1991. Today they're 512. What has happened is that simple Christians are living out their faith. If we will just turn the Lion of Judah loose, we will see what he does. And I'm glad you liked what you saw in that little three-minute clip in, um, in Charlotte because I got to speak the next time when all the Black Lives Matter people were there, and they didn't have any idea who I was. But when I got done talking about fathers, that there is not a police force big enough to make a young man do what is right. But there is a God I know whose name is Jesus, who once he gets into the heart of that young man, that young man isn't going to just be standing out there in a street corner looking to rip off the NASCAR Hall of Fame or get down to the, there to the Charlotte Hornets um, basketball arena and steal all their shirts and jump up and down on police cars and set them on fire. But that young man, instead of doing that, is going to lay his life down that others might live. And that's what these men are looking for. We've got so many black young men that are sitting out there not, not feeling like they're worth anything, number one, because they're fatherless. The key to dealing with Black Lives Matter is fatherlessness. The key 
to dealing with America and her decline is fatherlessness. We have abandoned our Holy Father. We have abandoned him. We have left him. And our earthly fathers are now out doing whatever they want to do, paying no attention. They're siring children and raising none. And we've got to have fathers back into the black community. Our city council was blackmailed my second time there. <laughs> I saw them. They, the Black Lives Matter people were there and they were scared to death. And all of a sudden, Jennifer Roberts was getting off the tiger, realizing if you mounted a tiger and you're riding him around and that tiger's really ferocious and you're scaring everybody, there's coming a point in time when you've got to get off that tiger. And once she gets off, she realizes that she can't control Black Lives Matter. Believe me, they tore up that city council with four-letter words and everything that you could expect uh, and would expect with young men and women who have no governance over them but their own. And in other words, no gospel to constrain them, to get them, to make them deep and, and filled with wisdom. There isn't any of that in them. They just are blaming the white man. They're blaming everybody. They're victims of this and victims of that. And God wants them to come to a conclusion to really know justice. That's K-N-O-W, justice. And then you will K-N-O-W, peace. They run around with this, no justice, no peace. As if they don't, they don't even know what justice is. As a matter of fact, it says that a fool does not understand justice, but a man who seeks the Lord understands it fully. To be just is one that sees the log in his own eye and has done his repentance before the Lord, saying, God, I will no longer be a thief. I'm not going to no, I'm no longer going to be violating these, your commandments that are written in my heart. They're there. I am going to be a law keeper. And if my nation makes laws that would cause me to do evil, I will stand and continue to do good. If they put me in prison, they'll put me in prison. If they, if they impale me on a stake and cover me with pitch and set me on fire, I will continue to say that Jesus is Lord and I will be that kind of a witness. You see, this is a father's heart, a father's heart that knows what's happening in this nation and wants it to stop, wants to protect his children. A father is a provider a protector and a priest for his household. It, this is what God wants. And the last verse of the Old Testament says this, I will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, hearts of the children to their fathers, or I will smite the land with a curse. And I told the city council, you need wisdom. And here it is. You see, Black Lives Matter got some what they call reparations from our city council. Our city council said, listen, we've got 5,000 new housing units that we are going to get for you. We have $1 million allocated to train young black men and women in new jobs that will be high-paying jobs. And we are going to put cameras on all of our policemen to hold them accountable for what they do and what they say. And as if they could pay them off because they were so afraid. Jennifer Roberts got off that tiger, she, and she was going to be devoured by that tiger, and so they're trying to bribe the black community. Oh, okay, we'll give you whatever you want. And this is just the beginning, they said. And this was on October the 10th, October 10th. 
This is just uh, the beginning. Je- Jennifer Roberts is the mayor of, of Charlotte, just for people. Just so people yes, she is the mayor, okay. and she is one bad actor who desperately needs Jesus, desperately. But she she has she has no desire right now to do that, and so she has been an instrument used by the devil. And as soon as he's finished with her, he'll destroy her, and he will mercilessly destroy her, as he did with Pharaoh before, as he did with Adolf Hitler. You know, they think that they can. They think that they they own everything with this arrogance that they have, and all of a sudden they realize that they're nothing. And well, you, you know, know what was Pharaoh going to do now that he had entered into the Red Sea with all of his army, and they all drown in that Red Sea? Adolf Hitler, when he realized finally that all Germany was destroyed, he just let it be destroyed. He didn't care. He wanted. He wanted. You know, it was. It was just he was being driven by the same spirit that's in Jennifer Roberts. And this is where, fellas, we got to look a little deeper to what is really ailing us in America. Because that well spirit is going to kill her, and he will. so many times before, if she doesn't oh, repent oh, and get right with God. That amen. spirit that is turned loose on us, and God is the amen. one that has lifted his hedge of protection on America. And so we got 19 guys with box cutters that bring down the Twin Towers and the Pentagon, and then crash an airplane into uh, Shanksville, Pennsylvania. Um, these are these are all signs and judgments from God that we're going the wrong way. And so, so God says in Revelation chapter three, verses nineteen and twenty, He says, "Those whom I love, I rebuke I, and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in." with him and sup with him and he with me you know and if Hold you'd like to have flip. dinner with jesus tonight we're, we're coming up right against the break we got about 10 seconds here we're going to pick up right where you left off on the other side folks you're listening to reverend flip venom operation save america.org we got one more segment with him after this break stay with us Folks, to the Hagman and Hagman Report. Folks, settle for battle. By the way, I just want to let you know the dynamic uh, JD and the equally dynamic uh, Nitro host, our internet service provider. We're working, or they're working, I should say, on a fix to HagmanReport.com. You know, things happen. So, um, kudos to our internet service provider, Nitro host. What a very, I'll tell you something, responsive? Absolutely. The best internet service provider i've ever been with that's nitro host um ask for simon tell him that uh doug hagman recommended you our guest right now is uh flip benham before we get to flip if you believe folks as i do that 
that we are in for some supply disruptions. Longer than three days, longer than a week, then visit americansurvivalwholesale.com. That's americansurvivalwholesale.com for your food preparation needs, long-term storable food. You're not going to want to be caught short on your long-term storable food needs. That's why I highly recommend americansurvivalwholesale.com. Right now they have absolutely... Uh, well, you know, I don't know how long this inventory is going to last, but get it while you can. Don't be left wanting. It's better to have and not need than to need and not have. So visit AmericanSurvivalWholesale.com, American-owned, Christian-owned, for your long-term food, long-term storable food survival needs. Yeah, I can get that right. Sure. And by the way, Ray Wing Watch, um, I was so impressed when I, when I saw Flip Benham's, uh, addressed it to Charlotte City Council. He said on July 25th that if Charlotte continues this rebellion against Almighty God, blood is going to course down the quarters of her schools, workplaces, and our streets. And you know what? Just just days after that was said, what happened? The riots in Charlotte. Joe, I'm going to kick it to you. I mean, that really just blew... I mean, he nailed it. Flip nailed it. Mm-hmm. And Flip, before the break, uh, was it Revelation 3, 19 and 20 you were reading? 19 and 20. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, and and, and God was simply saying, and thanks, Joe, for that, and thanks, Doug. Um, At the beginning of that, God is saying, listen, those whom I love, I rebuke. I wonder if we see God's hand at work, because you'll serve the kingdom you see, and you'll become like the God you worship. And my prayer is that we will come to know this God. And and we will know him through his word and through his work in us. And that in knowing him uh, and seeing him, we will be engaged in his activity. There is something that he is calling each and every one of us to. And there's a reminder that he's giving to those of us in America that he is the one who made America great. And as Alexis de Tocqueville wrote, that America is great because America is good. And America will cease to be great when, um, if America ever ceases to be good. You see, virtue is something so important in our republic. The character of human beings. And, um, and, and the only way that we ever get to the real character, where we get to our real inner self and who we really are, is through Jesus Christ. There is no other way. Knowing what our founding fathers knew and our pilgrim forefathers before us, knowing and understanding that, gave God an opportunity to show himself so strong and so great and made this nation great, prosperous beyond any nation on the face of this earth ever. And we were a virtuous people. We didn't need a whole stack of laws and the EPA and all all sorts of things because we weren't going to rip off our neighbor because Jesus was residing in our hearts. We were a different kind of people because God now had made this, this, this continent a city on a hill that all nations might know that there is a God and that his name is Jesus, something that our pilgrim forefathers knew. The great awakening woke up our eyes again because we were falling asleep, which prepared us for the great revolution, the, the signing of the Declaration of Independence, the wonderful constitution that we have, these incredible documents. And then we see this nation rising, and yes, we 
There were numbers of times when we were going downward, but revivals would come. God would revive us, and we would return to our Father, our Heavenly Father. And then our hearts would turn outside because we were saved. America is here for a reason, and that is that the whole world might know that there is another king, and that his name is Jesus, and he is the one that they're longing for. You see, we were saved to benefit others. Our nation was made great that we would be a benefit to others, that through us, all nations might know Jesus. I mean, that was the covenant promise in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1, 2, and 3, that through you, Abraham, all nations will be blessed, and you will be great, and I will make you great. And through you, all nations will be blessed. So you see, we were saved to be this this blessing to the whole world. And unfortunately, we became selfish. We began to look inward, and we began to think in our own pride that it was our own ability and technology. And we became drunk with our own power and who we were. And we turned our backs on God, and we threw him out of school. We, 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 we took prayer out of school. We took uh, Bible reading out of school. We took the Ten Commandments off the wall of the school. We opened up Pandora's box for the murder of little baby boys and girls. We began in the 60s to say that you can have love and have sex with anything that's warm. And, and all of these things, turning our back on God, and we begin to see Revelation chapter 3, verses 19 and 20 come into play when God says, those to the, to the church at Laodicea, that although she said she had eyes to see, God said, you don't see, you don't know that you're wretched, poor, and blind. You think that you're wealthy. You think that you're this, but you don't see what I see. And he said, those whom I love, this is Revelation 3, verse 19, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Behold, this is verse 20, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and sup with him and he with me. How many people are looking to open that door right now for Jesus? Or are we looking to nominate a guy that is going to stand, not nominate, but elect as president a guy um, that's going to stand for righteousness? Donald Trump can't do that. He's got to know the living God first. He's not a Christian. He, he is as much a Christian as I thought I was a Christian when I was 27 years old. You know, I, I didn't know that I had to be saved or something like that, but I did believe in Jesus, and I, I wanted to do good, and I didn't want to do bad, but I, I was just a loudish, selfish kind of a guy. And Jesus, when I came to conclusion, when I heard the gospel preached at a little church in North Acker Avenue in Kissimmee, Florida, and I heard this, the, 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 I heard the wonderful gospel, which crushed me because it said that I was a sinner, that I was lost. And, and if I were to die 10 seconds from now, I was going right to hell. And I knew it. And I, it was like that pastor had read my mail. And I can remember walking home. I had Faye my wife uh, drive uh, Tracy uh, home, our, our, our oldest daughter, drive, and I walked the four and a half miles back home, and I wept like a little baby. I, 
I was, you would have thought I was drunk, but I wasn't drunk. I was just convicted with God's Holy Spirit. And it wasn't long after that that I gave my heart to Christ. And, and he, he saved me. He washed me. All of my sins were forgiven. I mean, no psychiatrist could have fixed me. I certainly couldn't fix me. I didn't. There, weren't, there wasn't enough booze I could drink to fix me. Not enough margaritas that I could have. Not enough anything. Not enough money that I could make. And Lord knows we had enough money then. But it was never enough. That's interesting. When we went through seminary, I had, we didn't have much money at all. Uh, yet it was always enough. So, I mean, it's just amazing things in God's economy. When he changes a person and then he skills a man and he drills a man and he, and he runs him through the refiner's fire and continues to remove the dross from him. So, why? So that, so that the world might see Jesus in us and might find hope. That, and, and you see, that's what we are as Christians. We are the source of God's hope for every single person that we come around. And seeing that if God could save a wretch like me, he can certainly save you. And he does it all the time. That's what he did with Norma McCorvey. That's what he did with those six ladies that gave their hearts to Christ while they were in the abortion mill. That's how Bernard Nathanson gave his heart to Christ. He was the founder of NARAL, who killed over 30,000 children. Then the founder of the National Abortion Rights Action League, he gave his heart to Christ. Sandra Kano, the Jane Doe of Doe versus Bolton. Uh, there were two cases on January 22nd, 1973. One was Roe versus Wade, and the other was Doe versus Bolton. Um, Roe v. Wade decriminalized abortion. Doe versus Bolton said you could kill the child through all nine months. Those were two cases. Now, the three people most instrumental in ushering us into this abortion holocaust um, all were now professing, confessing Christians. And what had changed them was Jesus. It wasn't they had some political epiphany and knew that now you, you, you should be pro-life. It was Jesus. When he got in, they began to see things differently. When they opened the door... As he was knocking on the door of their hearts, I can re just remember the tears in Miss Norma's eyes. I can remember watching her in three weeks' time lose almost, you know, 50 years of bad road. She looked so bad. She was so thin. She, and she was just, and, and it was drugs, and it was all sorts of junk that she'd done, and she tried to take her life three times. And it, it was like God made her a grandmother, a beautiful, smiling grandmother. It was the most incredible picture that you could see. This is what Jesus does. He totally transforms. All things become new in him. And so we see this, this wonderful battle. But because God loves the United States of America, and he does, and he loves the people, each one of us here, he loves us, he rebukes us, and he disciplines us. And his discipline is upon us now if we have eyes to see. And he says, but listen, repent. Be earnest and repent. And as I'm knocking on that door, you open that door, and I will come into you, and we will sup together. And, and I will pour in my wisdom to you, and you'll become like the men of Issachar who understand the times and know what Israel should do. You see, if God has become an enemy to us, and he is. You say, well, God he couldn't be an enemy to us. Well, let me just give you a couple of verses here. God, Ezekiel chapter 20, verses 25 and 26. God says this, I also gave you over to statutes that were not good. <laughs> try Roe v. Wade, try the, 
tried the Supreme Court decision, Obergefell versus Hodges. I turned you over to statutes that were not good and laws they could not live by. I let them become defiled through their gifts, the sacrifice of every firstborn, that I might fill them with horror so they would know that I am the Lord. Listen to that. He said, I'm going to turn you over to bad statutes, bad laws. I'm going to do all of that, and I'm going to fill you with horror. And some of us are filled with horror. I know my friends were, in 1992, filled with horror of the fact that Bill Clinton had become president of the United States of America. We're filled with horror. Why? So that you would know that I am the Lord. I'm knocking at the door of your heart. My, your problem is with me. Not with all of these things horizontally. It's with me. Let me give you another verse. Lamentations 4, 12 and 13. The kings of the earth did not believe nor did any of the world's people, that enemies and foes could enter the gates of Jerusalem. But it happened because of the sins of the prophets and the iniquities of her priests who shed within her the blood of the righteous. That is the blood of those that were, that were sent as prophets to bring the word of God to say that you are in sin, you need to repent, you need to get back with God. You've thrown him behind your back. Listen to this one. Isaiah 63.10. It says, Yet they rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit, so he turned and became their enemy, and he himself fought against them. That's talking about Almighty God. He said, He himself became their enemy, and he fought against them. Try this one, Lamentations 2, 4, and 5. Like an enemy, he has strung his bow. His right hand is ready. Like a foe, he has slain all those who are pleasing to his eye. He has poured out his wrath like a fire. The Lord is like an enemy. He has swallowed up Israel. He has swallowed up all of the palaces and destroyed her strongholds. And here are the words of Jesus. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who killed the prophets and stoned those sent to you. How often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. That's us today. Look, your house is left to you desolate. For I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The Hebrew for that is Baruch HaBashem Adonai. You will find no peace anywhere until you open that door and let me come in. And he is knocking at the door of our heart in this nation. Who do you trust? Donald Trump? Who do you trust? Oh, maybe we'll elect a Congress and a Senate to fix us. Who do you trust? Well, maybe we'll stack up the Supreme Court. Who do you trust? Do you see what I see? Do you know what I know? You see, there is a God in heaven that is saying the answer 
you have not found and you never will if you keep looking this way. My goodness, it seems like this election cycle has gone on forever. And that's just exactly what Fox News, CNN, they want to keep and peak up the interest so that we will continue to watch their programs. And so they keep going. And the election cycle, it seems like you start running for president as soon as you've won your second term. You know, you're you're off running again. It's incredible what is happening to us. And we're laboring and spinning and we're running and we're we're doing all we're like a door on its hinges, always moving but never going anywhere. That's exactly what we're like. And so God is calling us to himself and he says, Now be earnest and repent. Turn the hearts of the fathers back to their children and turn the hearts of the children to their fathers. We need to get our heart turned back to our Heavenly Father. And then he will open up the heavens. When we loose this on earth, he will loose from heaven his mercy and grace, and he will do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or imagine. Now listen, this is the hope that we have. He is ready. He is waiting for us to repent. It's us, the church that has failed. If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Here we are. We can see Hillary's wicked ways for sure. We see that. We see Trump's wicked ways. God says, but you don't see your own. There are some never-Trumpers out there that are going to, in order to keep their conscience uh, claims, they're going to pharisaically say that I will not, and if anybody does, they're not Christian. If anybody votes for Trump, you can't be a Christian. You're just a false convert. Those are lies from the pit of hell, and our brothers and sisters need to repent of that attitude because it's wrong before God. And if you continue in it, there will be a bitterness that begins in your soul that you will not recover from until you do repent. But it gets harder and harder to repent as time goes on. You might want to hurry up and do that right now before it's too late. And then for those of us that think Trump is a messiah, you're crazy. (laughs) Donald Trump doesn't even know what made this nation great. He may do some good things, but he is not the answer. No, no, none of them. We are the answer. The gates of hell cannot prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. And we've got to remember that we have a place in this government of ours, for it is founded upon biblical principles. It is a republic, not a democracy. It is a republic. There are laws that we will abide by. And if 51% of the people say, I disagree with that law, the people are not God. God is God. And the republic stands on those laws. Whether it's 57% agree or not, in a republic... The law built upon Christian principles in a republic, it is the law that is king, lex rex. And that's where we have to get. We are not to be the masters of the state, nor its slaves or servants. We are to be its conscience. And unfortunately, conscience has gone dark. We've been afraid to stand on God's word, to say the things that need to be said that will truly set the captive free. And so we find ourselves in a situation that we're in now, wondering, oh, Lord, things are looking really bad, really bad. What shall we do? And God's saying, you call upon me. 
and I'll show you what to do. I'll give you strategies that are mine that no one has ever heard of before, and you will begin to walk in them. And rather than a spirit of fear governing you, because God didn't give you a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind, you will find courage guiding you, and you will find that I will take you where I want you to be. And indeed, you will become the light of the world again, because right now, the salt of the earth is, well, the salt has lost its saltiness. It is good for nothing to be trampled under the feet of men. And if you don't think that we're being trampled under the feet of men, men that do not know God, that are governing us, you are blind. We are, it is a judgment of God, and he told us it would be this way. We have got to take the bushel off and let Jesus shine through us now. It's not that difficult right now. You and I, we're going to spend some time in jail for sure. But you know what? There is a possibility that God will have mercy on us. He has had mercy on us, and he has blessed this nation. But right now, when, when a lot of us are praying, our hands are covered with innocent blood. And God says, I'm not going to hear those prayers. You've got to repent of that. You've got to turn from your wicked ways. And then God finishes that beautiful Second Chronicles 7.14 verse with this. If you've turned from your wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I'll begin to hear your prayers again. I will forgive your sin, every single one, and I will heal your land. I'm looking forward to November 9th so that we can move away from all of this stuff and get into God's plan because we're going to be humbled. You know, either way, we're going to be humbled. You know, we may have an opportunity for the church to be able to operate a little bit, but this is God giving us time if Trump wins. Or we may be coming under the severe persecution of one that hates God because the seed of the serpent is operating in her. And that is my rights, my body, my choice, my thing. I do what I want whenever I want. My one commandment is don't judge me. And that battle is being fought right here in the United States of America. November 8th will give us a better idea of where we are. And November 9th, we will run to the roar in Jesus' name, whatever the cost. I don't think that could have been better stated. The only thing I would say is we may not, we might not know on November 9th. You know, there could be challenges, but regardless, the message is you, you know, uh, anything can happen, it seems like, in this, in this bizarre cycle, but, but, Without, without regard to that, you're exactly correct. That's when our work starts. We, at that point, we have to maintain and resume. Well, we, we, sh- we have to play our positions and we Amen. have to, uh, we have to do what we've been called to do. And, and you know what, Flip? One thing about you that, that I really admire. I mean, you, 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 you look at men and you say, stand up and be men. And that's Amen. what we need in this country, don't we? We really do. You know, I could I could give you just a quick little. Um, let me let, let me give you just this 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 little story. I can think I could do it in about uh, two and a half minutes. Sure. Um, I, I just got back from um, South Africa. I've been there. It was about a month ago, and got to go to some of their um, national parks and game reserves where they have all of the wild animals out there. But there's one, the biggest. Uh, um, 
National Park and Animal Reserve or Game Reserve in South Africa is the Kruger National Park. And uh, and it's in South Africa. And, and there was this great population of elephants uh, at one time endangered, and they were afraid that they would become extinct, but it had grown really large in the park. And it was more than that park could understand the elephants. They had just multiplied so much. So a plan was devised in Kruger Park to somehow thin out the elephants by moving um, some of the elephants over to another park called Palansburg uh, National Game Reserve. And uh, and so they, they, they got the helicopters, they got the harnesses, they, but the one thing they couldn't do is they couldn't take the big bulls. The harness wasn't big enough. They couldn't take the big bulls uh, and, and fly them over. The, the helicopter could do it, but the, but the harness just wasn't big enough. So what they did is they took the females and they took the juvenile uh, male elephants and they flew them over to Polansburg, and that way it thinned out the herd, and everything seemed to be pretty good. It was a quick solution, and it seemed to work out really well. But there came a problem in Polansburg National Park, where the new elephants were. Um, rangers in Polansburg began to find the dead bodies of the endangered uh, uh, white rhinoceros. And at first they suspected poachers, but they saw that when they saw the dead carcasses of these rhinoceroses, that uh, it wasn't poachers, there were no gunshot wounds, and the tusks were left alone, the valuable tusks, the, rhino, um, the rhinoceros tusks were worth a lot of money, and they were just left alone. But what they did notice were huge puncture wounds, and they had, and they had just been, uh, it looked like stomped and, and beaten to death. And so they were they were faced with, uh, you know, what are we going to do? Because something is going on and they be. And so they they put cameras, uh, you know, all sorts of places out in the huge, you know, uh, you know, tens of thousands of acres of this uh, Polansburg Park and uh, just trying to find out what's going on with them. And what they found out was that these uh, young bulls that they brought over here were now going crazy. And, and see, the young bulls were going through a thing called must. It's, you know, when you go into heat or something like that, however you pronounce that or however you manage that. And, uh, and they would just go nuts. And they were out there and they were running these rhinoceros down and they were just killing them. They were destroying them. And, and they were shocked at what they... You know what they were going to do, and so they, these elephants were becoming a danger to people, to to every everything that was going on in the park, and so they were going to shoot them. And this one old uh, ranger came and said, "No, don't do that." He said, "What we what they must have, we must go back to Kruger and bring the old bulls here." And so they said, "Well, we can't do that." Well, they made a bigger harness and they brought the bulls back to Polansburg. They brought about five of them. And guess what happened? When the fathers got there, those young boys that were out there ripping off everybody in the street, jumping up and down on cars and everything else, they stopped. They stopped. Flip, How we ran over on time. Uh, Pardon I hate me? To, we ran over oh, on time. Ahead. I hate to cut you short, uh, but we're we're about a minute over. God bless you. Thank you so much for coming on. Hey, tonight. God bless you guys. Bye-bye. Can't wait till next time. Take care. We'll be right back, folks. With Pastor David Langford. Welcome back, 
ladies and gentlemen, to this segment of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Just so excited to announce that uh, Pastor David Langford, the voice of evangelism, the man behind the voice of evangelism, the author of Revelation 13, revealed in the book of Jude, um, is going to be our regular guest for this segment every Wednesday. It's going to be Wednesdays with Pastor David Langford. And this is, so many of you have written in, emailed us, said, hey, we need this regular session with Pastor David Langford. So so we delivered. We um, actually asked uh, uh, Pastor Langford if if he could uh, give us, graciously give us his gift of time, and and he agreed to do so. And uh, right now I think he's on the road, but but he's with us nonetheless. And we're just so thankful that he's agreed to do this. And we're going to be talking, and we're going to be getting to Pastor Langford in just one moment. I I, want to direct everyone's attention to Minuteman stove.com minutemanstove.com if you haven't gone there yet they've got just we we always talk about the rocket stove which is a just a fantastic product the rocket stove but this american company this company based in north carolina if if you go to minutemanstove.com that's minutemanstove.com check out their cast iron uh, cook set check out their other products their fire starters, which we have. We use them. They're incredible. Just all kinds of um, a, a different products, including, well, the the, the uh, Maya sticks, the, the uh, Fatwood fire starters, the, uh, the Deluxe Sustainable Lighting and Power Package. Incredible. But, of course, the Premier... The, the, the big product, the rocket stove. That rocket stove is just a fantastic product. And, folks, if you're expecting a power outage or some disruption, perhaps, you really need a utensil or an item to, to cook on. This Minuteman rocket stove is the best of the best of the best. We have one. We use it. We can attest to the fact that it is the Cadillac of all rocket stoves. That's MinutemanStove.com, MinutemanStove.com. And I just, again... You gotta get, you just have to go to minutemanstove.com and check out their array of products. But by, but by far, their rocket stove is the best. Deuteronomy, folks. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19. Just let me direct you there to this verse. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore choose life that both thou and thy seed may live. Receive that in a email from Pastor Langford today, that verse, and that will be the subject of our discussion tonight, part of it anyway. Pastor Langford, it's great to have you on the show, and um, really looking forward to having you on each and every Wednesday. What a fabulous addition this will be. Uh, it's great to have you back on. Well, Joe, Doug, both, it is a great joy for me to be here with you, and we are profusely humbled uh, that you would allow us to come and serve with you in this capacity. We have just arrived here in Nashville, Tennessee, where we're going to be having a conference this Friday night, Saturday, and Sunday uh, at SeedTimeHarvestMinistries.net or .com. I forget which one it is, but if people will go there, they can see that, and we're anticipating a visitation of God. But again, it is a great joy for us to be with you uh, each Wednesday night now and to share the Word of God uh, because we are living, and as the Scripture uh, Doug has already shared, God made it very clear, therefore choose life that thou and thy seed may live. 
And of course, the seed speaks of our children. And needless to say, we are certainly at a crossroads in this nation. And um, as most people know, I am not politically correct when it comes to the Word of God or the Scriptures uh, for that fact. And, you know, I know people have their differences with Donald Trump, and I certainly have a plethora of differences with Hillary Clinton. But, you know, the Bible is clear. God ordains and God chooses whom and what and how he wills to do certain things. And there's a reason that God does things in the way he does. And First Corinthians 1, 26 says, How that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty and base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. And I want to look at that verse 28, 1 Corinthians 1, 28, things which are despised. Now I know that Donald Trump is a man that is greatly despised of the media. 91% of the media and their time is to castigate and to bash and impinge Donald Trump. Uh, if I were selecting a man for president, personally, he would not be my first choice. But I don't make the choice. You see, I believe God has ordained two people to run for the presidency of the United States. I believe God eliminated everyone to bring us to a literal crossroads. And I want to say this, and I, I, I know that I will anger some, and Doug and Joe, you'll probably get some negative feedback from this, but I do not see how a Christian, a professing Christian, can vote for death and say, I'm a child of God. Now, the last debate, Donald Trump made it very clearly his disposition on Roe B versus Wade. He even brought up the fact that you can wait two to three days before the child is born and then take two-thirds of the child out of the mother's womb. And, of course, he didn't go into this detail, but I will. Put the forceps in the back of the child's skull, suck its brains out, and then pull the head out and say that is an abortion. On the flip side, Hillary Clinton says she's concerned about women's health care. What a lie straight out of hell. That is nothing to do with health care. That has everything to do with murder. If you go ahead and pull the child's head out of the mother's womb and take a two-pound ball-peen hammer and bash its brains out, then the law will say you have just committed a murder. But as long as you do it inside, and I'll be playing here the prepus of a woman's genitalia and kill it that in that degree, it's okay. It's okay. And God, through his divine choice, has chosen whom he has determined to be the two people to run 
for the presidency of this United States. You know, uh, Joe and Doug, I find it tremendously amazing how that, uh, oh, his name slips my mind. Who was the guy running against Hillary during the campaign? Um, the liberal socialist. What was that? Can you hear me? Yeah, can you repeat uh, that? Uh, who was the guy running for uh, against Hillary in the campaign? Uh, Bernie Sanders. Uh, yeah, Sanders. Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders. Yeah. Isn't it amazing how Bernie Sanders castigated Hillary Clinton to no end, and now all of a sudden he's campaigning for her? If this is not a portrait, a picture of hypocrisy, lying, cheating, stealing, thieving hypocrites, I don't know what is. And and and, and God is giving us a choice. As he said to the children of Israel, I call heaven and earth, and as a record or a witness, this day against you, that I have set before you life and death. How much more plainer could the the implications have been when God said in that debate, Donald Trump said life, Hillary Clinton said death. And people are going to make a decision. And I am I, concerned. I'm concerned, as Jesus well said in Matthew fifteen, eight and nine, this people draw nigh me with their mouth, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me, but in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. Tim Kaine says he's a Christian. Hillary Hillary Clinton says she has a Christian background as a Methodist. Donald Trump purports he's a Presbyterian. But let's take away the veneer. Let's take away religion. Let's look at what they're saying they're going to stand for and embrace. Let's take all the veneers, all the facades, all the coverings. Let's just strip that all away, and let's listen to what they say. And one is telling you, I'm for death under the auspices of women's health care. And the other says, I'm for life. And as I said, God can raise up anyone, anybody, any place, any time at his own choosing. You know, we forget who's in control. God has given us these two people as a choice. Now, you got to go back to 1 Samuel when Israel rejected theocracy. In other words, God wanted a theocratic government which simply meant, I am God, I speak to you, I tell you what you're going to do, how you're going to live, etc. They said, no, we want a king. We want to be like the other nations. We want a king. And so God told Samuel, he said, Samuel, they have not rejected you. They have rejected me. And so uh, Psalms chapter 75, God makes it clear that he raises them up and he pulls them down. So God, whether we like it or not, has raised up both Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump and said, now here are your two uh, presidential candidates. Now make your decision. Are you going to choose life or are you going to choose death? And as a Christian, you know, I, I can't legislate righteousness. I, I can't make a man 
not smoke dope. I cannot make a man not drink liquor. I cannot make a man not commit adultery or a woman uh, do the same thing. All I can do is preach against the sin. You cannot legislate godliness. You cannot legislate righteousness. You live it because you have a love for the Lord. I live for God because I love Him. I live for Him because, first of all, He was so gracious to me. Had He uh, been anyone else, He would have let me die in my sins and my days of craziness and foolishness and sinfulness, but He was merciful to me, a sinner. So I owe my life to Him and every sense of the word. But, you know, Psalm 75 and 6 says, For promotion cometh neither from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south. But God is the judge. He putteth down one and setteth up another. I want to share a little insight I got some weeks ago about government. God destroyed the Egyptian government, but delivered the people of Israel. God destroyed the Babylonian government. When Belshazzar was the king of Babylon, the grandson of Nebuchadnezzar, God destroyed the government and freed his people Israel after their 70 years of Babylonian captivity. My point in saying that is God can destroy the government and save his people. You see, because that's how divine God is. As a matter of fact, that night, uh, Darius... Uh, the Medo-Persian Empire, Darius, and then Cyrus, uh, the, the two split the kingdom. In the end, the Medo-Persian Empire, and uh, it was Cyrus who suffered Israel to go back, and he helped Israel rebuild Jerusalem that Nebuchadnezzar had destroyed 70 years before that. So God has always been involved in government. You know, some governments have been evil. Because of Israel's rejection, God allowed Adolf Hitler to be raised up and to slaughter masses and millions of, of Jews and scatter them throughout the nations of the earth. Why? He said, that's what's going to happen to you because you have rejected me. The same thing is going to happen to America if we make the wrong decision, you know. So it's, it's, it's not about politics at the end of the day. It's about living right and making a godly decision of what we're going to do. God has always been involved in governments. God has been the one. That Romans 13 has truly been misrepresented, misrepresented and misinterpreted, but God is the one who establishes government to keep us from having the personification of anarchy. You see, but First uh, Timothy 2 and 1, I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplication and prayers intercessions and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior so it is God who establishes the kings of the kingdoms it is God who, who gave uh, Daniel the revelation knowledge of the empire's with Nebuchadnezzar uh, being the, the, the tree stump or trunk, however you want to term it. And then he went through the remainder of the kingdoms, uh, the uh, Babylonian, and then the Medo-Persian, and then the, the Grecian, and then Rome, and then there will be this one final push 
for a one-world government and a one-world ecumenical movement. And so this is the path we're headed on. But God is merciful to give us an opportunity uh, to change our ways. You know, Second uh, Peter 3, 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God does not will to destroy us. God says, I set before you life and death. You make the choice. You make the choice. You make the source. You make the decision. So, you know, I want to make the decision of life. I, I, I want to be a part of God confers life, not man. God confers life. So I just, I, I think we're, you know, Doug, you, you and I talked in the email about the divisiveness of this nation. That was what the Lord put in my spirit in January uh, on my 21-day fast, was that everyone would become a sheep or a goat. You're witnessing it. You watched in these debates a goat and a sheep. You witnessed it. And uh, I don't want to be a goat, because if you read Matthew 25, when Jesus Christ returns to the earth, he's going to separate the sheep and the goat nations and going to sentence the goat nations unto everlasting destruction and eternal separation from God. There again, that is a choice. That is a choice, and God is going to do that. So I just think we need to be very mindful of what we're, what we're doing, you know, and, and, and keep the yeah. right godly perspective. No, you're absolutely right, Amen uh, to that. Pastor Langford. And the, uh, uh, the divisiveness and the division is growing, and it seems to have intensified tremendously during this uh, last year during this election cycle and uh Reverend Foot Benham was on just before you uh in the last hour and he was talking about how he can't wait until you know November 9th the day after and I'm sure most of the people um who pay attention to the news and and the media can't wait till the election's over for, due to the constant coverage and the lies and and just all the but, shenanigans but you know, that are going on but pastor I I really think that even with that um this, you know, once the election is over, I, I, I truly believe that our work, as, especially as Christians, conservatives, but Christians especially, is going to just be beginning. It's going to be just the start, regardless of who gets in. Absolutely, Doug. This is the. This is this is. You see, we serve in our generation uh, in, in Acts chapter thirteen. Verse 36 says, For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell on sleep and was laid unto his fathers and saw corruption. In other words, he literally ruined and decayed, but Jesus, of course, was raised from the dead and he saw no corruption. That's the analogy there in that passage. But it says that David served his own generation by the will of God. No matter who is elected does not negate our serving the Lord and our generation. Even if Hillary Clinton goes in, that means we have to be more determined for the light of Jesus Christ to shine. If Donald Trump goes in, I believe it is an element of reprieve. You see, Josiah is, is our example 
of God and his judgment. God was going to pour out judgment on Israel. And they were digging in the temple, and they found uh, the book of the law. And so when they found this book of the law, they went and they read it to Josiah. And Josiah, the Bible says he literally rent his, his, uh, his garment. And he said, you know, we're going to fast and we're going to pray and we're going to seek God. And because he did these godly things, God said to him, he said, because you have humbled yourself in my sight and you have done the right things, he said, I will not allow this judgment to come in your lifetime. But after you die, I'm going to allow this judgment to come. You'll find all that at Second Kings chapter 22. And so Israel was ripe for judgment. They were, they were so ripe for judgment, it begs description. But when the, the word of God was written, was written, uh, excuse me, read to Josiah, uh, he read his clothes because he realized how greatly that Israel had sinned against God. And he says in Second uh, Kings 22 and 20, Behold, therefore, I will gather thee unto thy fathers, and thou shalt be gathered into thy grave in peace, and thine eyes shall not see all the evil which I will bring upon this place. And they brought the king word again. So because he humbled himself, the Bible says, he wept, he tore down the pagan gods, he tore down the groves, he tore down the altars of Baal, and did all of the righteous things that a righteous king would do. But after he died, God still allowed Nebuchadnezzar to come in and to destroy Jerusalem. He just, what he basically did was delayed it one generation. He did all the right things. Now, what does that mean? That means to me, if Donald Trump is elected, God could delay this judgment on America a generation. Now, if you can argue a generation, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, whatever, I'm not going to get into a generation. I could, but it's too technical to get into that. But the point is, a generation. Some people say a generation fundamentally is from the time, Doug, that you were married and you had Joe, and now Joe's an adult. That's a generation, so... That's the time span from the time of your conceiving and burying him until the time he becomes an adult male, 20, 25 years of age. That's, that's the, the argument about the length and the breadth of a generation. But we do know that after Josiah died, God allowed Nebuchadnezzar to come in and to destroy Israel. Now, the reason I say that is because guys like myself, I don't use ATM cards. I I don't know how to use a cell phone that well at all. Uh, I'm not computer literate whatsoever. So I'm an obstacle uh, to the furtherance of technology. But my kids are all acclimating, and all the kids that are little are acclimating to computers and technology and everything. So the mark of the beast is going to be so simple 
so uh, easily to be uh, put into force and to affect everyone's life. You know, now we're getting these little doodads you put on your cell phone and you can pay your bill at the cash register with your phone. Well, you know, I, I have no clue how to do that. I'm not going to learn how to do that. I'm 61 years of age. But my point is, we're not to that stage of technology yet. The technology is there, but it's not fully implemented. They want everybody to do online banking. You know, I get my power bill. They want me to pay my power bill online. Well, I still write a check and send it in the in the mail. My telephone bill. They want me to pay it online. I still write a check and send it in the mail. They're they're we're coming to this. And, and remember, folks, it was 25 years ago this year, a quarter of a century ago, we heard the term at the congressional house with the war with Iraq, uh, and George Bush won, George Herbert Walker Bush won, said new world order. All right, that's been a quarter of a century. This, these things don't happen overnight. It is a process. It is, it, it is time. You've heard me talk about chronos. That is the succession of time. One, two, three, four, five. Then you have the Greek word karios is a divine appointed time when foreordained events must come to pass. So the chronos brings us to the karios. So there is a divine appointed time when the mark of the beast will be implemented. And up to that point in time, we're in the chronology or the chronos of it coming to pass. And once you reach that point, it's what we hear the term, it's a point of no return. You can't go back. That time has been reached. It's like a dead man walking. You've heard that term in prison terms, a dead man walking. Yeah, and, for know, somebody on really death row. Uh, and sorry That's to jump right. in here, Pastor Langford, but we are at our uh, middle of the hour sure. break. Um, we're going to take that break now. Folks, you're listening to Pastor David Langford on this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. And folks, you can um, listen to Pastor Langford. He has a radio show of his own. And you can visit his website, thevoiceofevangelism.com. And his uh, radio show is on Blog Talk Radio. And you can get the podcast uh, through his website. Go to HagmanandHagman.com to get his website link or go uh, right to The Voice of Evangelism. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Welcome back, folks. This is the Hagman and Hagman Report. What a powerful segment. What a powerful program tonight. I want to thank each and every one of you for joining with us and for staying with us. I, I did receive information, folks. As you know, during the program, our, our, our website, hagmanreport.com, was down. I did get information from the uh, our ISP. Uh, a thousand hits per second to our website for a while. Almost cooked one of their servers. Um, they were very nice about it, but imagine that a thousand hits per second. And, and my question was, was it a DDoS or a denial of service attack? And the answer was, you know what? It didn't look that way. It looked like, um, uh, it looked like valid page inquiries and, and, 
it, they explained it to me. I don't know. Um, but in answer to my question, was an attack? No, not, not, didn't look that way. So apparently, um, uh, there was some talk, some, uh, uh, traffic redirects, some discussion from, uh, uh, redirects from, uh, perhaps, uh, between uh, stevequail.com, Drudge, and Infowars. So, just saying, I, we don't know, but that's, just imagine that, a thousand hits per second. Not bragging, just explaining, I guess, explaining why that uh, the site was down. So, but speaking of popular things, people, events, Pastor Langford every Wednesday. It's, this is his time now. And folks, what he's talking about tonight too, it, it, I just, I'm thinking about his writing in Revelation 13 Revealed, the book which is available on thevoiceofevangelism.com. If you haven't read that book, boy, I'll tell you, he, Pastor Langford really does a great job in laying out the, I believe, the times in which we live. So I just want to really encourage people to not only support Pastor David Langford, his ministry, but really grab a hold of Revelation 13 Revealed, uh, purchase this book, because it really lays out in simple terms, I believe, the time in which we're currently living. With that, we have one more Thank segment you, left. I appreciate that. I'm sorry. No, go ahead, Pastor Langford. I just wanted to thank Doug for that, because that means a lot to me, because we do try to make it simple. Uh, we, we don't want it to be difficult. Uh, you know, Paul in writing to the church at Corinth in Second Corinthians eleven three says, "But I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ." This is supposed to be simple, uh, where anyone that just has you know common sense can understand the truth. You don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to be a rocket scientist. All you have to do is be a Christian, and you can see the light, and you can see the darkness. Go ahead, Joe. I'm sorry. Well, you know what, Pastor? I just I, I would like to say this. The, the Simple to me, when dealing with affairs of the Bible, it's not only good, but it's genuine. I mean, it's God has made it very simple, in my view. Um, and the choices that we're faced, that, that, that we have before us, are very simple. Good versus evil, um, and with, through the simplicity in which the word has been given to us. Oh, I'm sure I, I know we can we can study Genesis six, and it's good to seek out you know the, the answers. It's good to seek out a matter. I, I understand that, but salvation is simple. I think, and and Pastor, you really uh, hit a home run with Revelation thirteen revealed the simplicity of a somewhat complex topic, but making it so we can understand it, I can understand it. And, and the issue of salvation is apparent. So, thank you for that. Well, you know, Doug, Paul in First Corinthians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, he said, My speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom and knowledge, but in demonstration of power and of spirit that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. You know, Paul didn't try to convolute this thing and make it so theologically hard to be understood. You know, uh, you know, we have the Holy Spirit of God. What does he do? 
His office is to convict man, and the word convict simply means to convince you that you're lost, that you're unregenerated, that you're unredeemed, and you need to be regenerated. You need to be redeemed. And the Spirit conveys that message, and of course, we respond either by saying, yes, Lord, I'm a sinner, forgive me of my sins, and we are born again, we are saved, or we spurn, we reject and say, hey, I'm not ready. You know, forget it. I'm going to go ahead and party and live my life. And when I get ready, I will come to you. Well, the problem with that theology is uh, John 6:44 says, No man can come unto me except the Father which has sent me draw him, and I will raise him up in the last day. The Spirit of God has to constrain you and invite you. You know, you invite people onto your talk show. You know, there are those that would love to force their way in and make you give them a place, but you have the ability to say, I choose so-and-so, or I don't want so-and-so. Why? Because you have that authority. And, you know, if anybody has any common sense and you would invite them, they would take opportunity of that. And if God invites us through his Holy Spirit, we, we embrace the invitation. You know, that was the problem, the, 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 uh, the analogy at the wedding banquet. You know, everybody had an excuse. Well, I bought a piece of land. Well, I bought a, a yoke of ox. I need to try them. One said he married a wife. And the, 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 the king became angry because everyone he invited had an excuse why they wouldn't come. And then he closes that chapter out by saying, those that were bidden and did not come, they will not partake in this marriage feast. And so, you know, when the Lord invites anyone, it doesn't matter who you are, uh, you need to respond correctly and say, yes, Lord, I, 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 I want to uh, uh, come in and be a part of the kingdom of God. Because, um, you know, we, nobody knows how long God will contend or strive with him. Genesis 6-3 says, My spirit will not always strive with man. No one knows how many opportunities they're going to get to be invited to this wedding banquet. And uh, so uh, you'll find that story in Luke chapter 14. And, and as, as I said, they all made excuse why they could not come. And then it says, The master of the house being angry. He got angry. That's when he said, go into the highways and hedges, compel them to come in that my house might be filled. And then he closes by saying, for I say unto you that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. You know, they rejected the invitation, and so he rejected them when they wanted to come of their own will. That's why Hebrews 10.31 says, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. We don't play with God. God is sovereign. And God is sovereign right now in our nation, in our election, and you're going to witness God do one of the two things. Give us an opportunity, a respite, whatever you want to call it, or he's going to drive the nail in the coffin and say, you're done. I mean, he did that with Israel. I set before you this day life and death. There's no middle ground. You're either alive or you're dead. You may be struggling while you're living, but you are alive. And once the Spirit leaves a person's body, that's how we know they're dead, because the Spirit is gone. 
and they're what we term they're deceased. They're called the decedent. Life has now terminated in that person's life. And that doesn't mean they cease to exist. That just means the old fleshly body died. But the person on the inside went somewhere for all eternity. Their spirit, their soul went somewhere into eternity, either with God or without God. And that's why it's so important. You know, life is nothing but a probation. Now, that's all life is. You know, I, I was, uh, when I was in the Branson some months ago, uh, doing some taping with Jim Baker, uh, I, I met a young kid there in the general store. Now, he was probably 15 years old. He was a camera man, camera guy. And I began to witness to him. And I told him, I said, uh, young man, the Bible says in Psalms 89, we spend our years as a tale that is told, so teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. And he looked at me kind of funny, and I said, see that calculator? He said, yeah. I said, pick it up. Multiply 365 times 70. 365 days in a year, 70 years. And you come up with a number of a little over 25,000. So when you look at your life at 70 years, you have a little over 25,000 days. Now, brother, that doesn't seem like much now, does it? <laughs> you know, I, I was I was a teenager when I heard that uh, that number. I think it was twenty five thousand five hundred days, roughly the average lifespan. And I thought, yeah. wow, that's a, that's a lot. And then, yeah. my age now, I think, <laughs> wait a minute, <laughs> not 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 hey, so much. <laughs> well, ten years is three thousand six hundred fifty days. If if if, right. if we have ten years left, you and I have ten years left. We have three thousand. 650 days. That's not much time. No, not at all. So the brevity of time is, is, is unfathomable. I mean, it is so short. And so David understood it because he said, teach us to number our days. And uh, as we all know, brother, uh, they pass by faster the older you get. Yeah, that sand really uh, goes through the hourglass quickly as we as we age, and, and you know sometimes I think it, it, it it's a blessing. But uh, I, I found myself, Pastor, a um, little bit. Well, I guess I'll be introspective or uh, personal right now on the radio. But I found myself recently uh, considering my mortality and and thinking about you know what what will what will my legacy be. And, and maybe this is too personal, but, but I, I think, I, I think that at some point we have to really be serious about our legacy, about what we're doing. And that makes things like, uh, it puts everything in perspective it, it, because we have to, at least I believe we have to be accountable to God for our actions and past in present actions, which will mold our future actions, if we have any future ahead of us, that's up to God, of course. Um, but uh, it, it certainly puts things in perspective, and it certainly makes you not want to waste or squander any time. That's just my view. Well, you, you and I both can relate to this, but I remember when I turned forty, I became very conscious of retirement. I had a plan when I was twenty-five. I wanted to plan. I told my wife when she and I got married, I said, I want to be able to retire in 30 years, whether I retire or not. I want to work to that goal over the next 30 years. 
And it seemed like when I hit 40, the seriousness of retirement, you know, your years are, are getting lesser and lesser. Well, you get to be our age, and now we're thinking about what is my legacy? I'm, I'm even asking my wife now, where do we want to buy cemetery plots? Why, why am I even thinking? Is that morbid? No. That is just good stewardship in behalf of my family, so I just don't dump all this burden on them at my demise. But to see the thinking and the thought process because of what I consider a God consciousness. You see, I watch all these people, Bernie Sanders, Bill Clinton, Hillary Clinton, I watch all these people lie habitually. And these people are on up in years. Their days are really numbered. But the Bible says in Psalms 10, 4, the wicked through the pride of his countenance will not seek after God. God is not in all of his thoughts. I believe a godly man is conscious of his years, of his time, of his stewardship. What are, what are, just like your life is now being used to effect people's lives for eternity. You know, God has been gracious uh, to you and Joe and given you a platform. And so you're using it in a godly way, you know, not, not like Howard Stern with perversion, et cetera, et cetera, but in, a, but in a good way. Well, you know, what's going to be his legacy? You know, a legacy of perversion. What will be your legacy? What will be my legacy? I want it to be one, you know, the man may have been, you know, I, I know people think I'm hard and they think I'm uh, uh, too old school, but that doesn't bother me. God is old. God is as old as they gets. So I, I don't I don't let it bother me when people say, Well, he's old school. You know. Well, hey, look how old God is. you cannot even imagine how old he is. And he says in, in Hebrews thirteen eight, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, forever, Malachi three six, I'm the Lord and I change not. So, you know, when I fell in love with Christ, my life changed. My convictions changed. My outlook and things changed. My perspective changed. Everything changed. Why? Because my conscience and my thinking is now persuaded and convinced by two, two fundamentally simple things, the Spirit of God and the Word of God. They affect my life every day. But the Spirit of God and the Word of God daily effect what I do. For instance, I'm in a situation telling a lie would be the simplest, quickest, best thing to do. But my God consciousness says, you can't do that. you got to tell the truth. And if you suffer, so be it. But you must tell the truth. Well, look at somebody like Hillary Clinton. Did you wipe your server? You mean with a cloth? And then we hear about the bit bleach and all of these. You see, there's no God consciousness there. Now, and here's what people need to understand. She does not know that she does not have a God consciousness. And, and, and I'll prove that by Romans one twenty eight. Even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. I've witnessed men before. I, I, I used to play golf years ago, uh, twice a week. And I walked into clubhouses and saw guys sitting there drinking liquor, smoking cigars, and in their 70s and 80s, and overhear them 
just with the most vilest cursing. And I would walk out and I would say, does that guy realize how close he is to eternity? Yet he seems to not be affected by what he's doing, cursing and saying and living. Why can't he do that and not have a, a reverence? Because he has no God consciousness. Now he doesn't. He doesn't know that. He he doesn't realize saying GD every fifth word. He doesn't know that. Why? Because God has not dealt with that man in so long. He's forgotten there's such a thing as God and a day of accountability. You see? And, and so that's what it means to have a good conscience. You know, to so many people today, regretfully, their, their conscience does not bother them. And that's why they say and they do what they do. I mean, we are witnessing one of the greatest deficits of consciousness ever that, that, that in my lifetime, you know, uh, how people can stand there and just lie and lie and lie and lie. And then, you know, six weeks later, you have emails, you have video recordings, you know, you have you have George Stephanopoulos interviewing Barack Obama, and Barack Obama says, I want to thank John McCain for not making my Muslim faith an issue. And then George corrects and says, oh, you mean your Christian faith? Oh, yeah, I mean my Christian faith. All of this is out there for everyone to see and hear, and it seems to not bother them at all. Well, it bothers me because I have a God consciousness. Hmm. Amen. Amen. Uh, that, that's that's all. Amen to that. And while you were talking about that, Pastor, you know, it was going through my mind, um, and I don't know why I was thinking this because I know what you're saying is completely different from this. But the the new age term of Christ consciousness that Oprah uses, and the, oh, yeah. the, the new age people who talk about, you know, or we that's have to point. raise our con- our our consciousness and our frequency, you know, to to ascend right. to the the higher. I don't know why that was going through my mind when you were saying that, but I just want people to understand that there is definitely a, a, a distinction between what Pastor Langford's saying and yeah. what the TV promotes as as a Christ consciousness. Um, and, and, I mean, we're being pushed into that that all is the same, all is one. You know, we're all under under this massive. It may be called a Christ consciousness, but it's a, a, a false, fictitious consciousness that, that attempts to <laughs> that, pull everything together. Yeah. So that, that that's that's so correct, Joe and Doug both. You see, there are two gods. There's Jehovah, and there's the God of this world. Second Corinthians four verse four, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. Believe not what the truth lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine under them. So there is another deity out there. That's, that, you can't argue that. His name is called Satan. He's called the God of this world. So what they don't understand, that is their God. And that's how their conscience is affected, that you can murder a baby and there's no accountability. You can tell a lie, and there's no accountability. You can cheat, there's no accountability. But they still say, I have a God consciousness. Yes, you do, but it's not the right God. It's the God of death. 
See, you remember Jesus told the Pharisees, he said, I'm not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. Jesus does not refute there's another deity out there. His name is called Lucifer in the beginning, bright, brilliant, shining one, Nahash in the Hebrew. And then he became Satan, the fallen one, the great red dragon, the, the, the serpent, the great serpent in Revelation. See, it's just, he, he's, he's, the, he's the bad God, and Jesus is the good God. And so they want you to believe that there's just one God, but it's like a left hand and a right hand. It's like good and evil. It's like night and day, light and darkness. There, there's always the two. A, a battery post, a battery, excuse me, has two terminals, two posts, negative and positive. Satan is negative. God is positive. So it is true. It's just delusional truth. It's, it's not the real, pure, unadulterated truth. See, you know, people can tell you something, and, and, and on the veneer, it's true. But when you look beneath the veneer and you see, you know, like Nancy Pelosi, well, we've got to pass the legislation to find out what's in it. Well, that's about as dumb as it gets. But that's the stupidity in which these people operate. And to believe that somebody can make that statement and keep being reelected blows my mind. I mean, how, how do you keep putting somebody like that back in office who doesn't even know what they voted for? True. Wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be great if they had slipped something in there that they were all going to have themselves incarcerated and put in prison in 30 days and they didn't know they voted for that? <laughs> I guarantee you after that, everybody would read all the legislation. <laughs> I never, I never quite thought of that before, but I wish somebody would slide something like that in there. <laughs> but it's the truth. Yes, yes, indeed. Uh, wow. Yeah. I, <laughs> wow. Um, just to see the, uh, the gang of eight and the 535 and the executive branch and even throwing the, uh, the rest. We'll throw them all in, into that, uh, whole, uh, well, hey, Donald Trump said he's going to drain the swamp and we all know what happens when you drain the swamp. I mean, it's, uh, assuming that, of course, uh, that's going to happen. We, you know, it's going to be some interesting times ahead. Wow. Yes. Can you imagine if, if he got in there and we got an honest to God, true general attorney, and and he said, we're going to investigate all of this once and for all. We're, we're going to get down to brass tacks. You see, I believe there are, like Trey Gowdy, I believe there are some good people up there. There's just, there's just a few of them. Right. But their hands are tied. But can you imagine if, if a righteous, like a righteous king like Josiah got in there and said, we're cleaning house. I mean, it would be unbelievable what that God would be a would sight do. to behold. Yes, absolutely. What God would do, and and I and I still, I, you know, I, I see too many people putting their 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 faith in one man when in fact it's God working through that man. But it's it's all of us from the bottom up. But it's interesting because what you just said there, Pastor, um, with respect to uh, the legislation and of course the Attorney General. There was a, just a news nugget out there. I think it was yesterday or the day before, where um, Josh Ernest, the the, um, and I don't know if you saw this, Pastor, the uh, uh, spokesman for the White House said uh, used a, an odd phrase about we're hoping that people don't feel or have to leave the country if Trump is elected, making it sound 
well, whether it was a Freudian type slip or or what, I'm not sure exactly what it was. But it made it sound like you, you know, know you get the fleeing from ex, extra, extradition, though. Right. Th- this mean, was you get the celebrities and the different talking heads are out there. Oh, you know, Hillary's elected. I'm I'm leaving the country. But what you're talking about is uh, completely different. It had a different. Uh, the context to it, and yeah. there was also speculation about Hillary moving money offshore, and you know, but that's just speculation. But what he said was was what you just talked about. You know, it, it seemed like there was a lot more to it, especially since uh, you know if Trump does win the election and does not, uh, you know, turn around and do the complete opposite like everybody else I've seen get elected as president, he said he would go after these people. So. Is there a real worry on their part? He, he's got his critics, and I'm aware of that. But but look at it in the natural. And I'm just saying that. I know we're not. We're to look at everything in the spiritual. But look at it in the natural. Why would a man making $400 million a year step down to a lesser jet airplane to fly around in and make $400,000 a year, 1% of what he makes now? What's the reason behind he- this? And uh, I don't know if you saw this, Pastor Langford. He said he would not take a salary as president. Well, that's Trump change to him. Well, I, I, I know. Well, that's, that's, a, that's a good question, though. It's either, to me, it's one of two things. Either a really, really bad case of narcissism or uh, a really good case of desiring to better the country in which we live. You're spot on. It's either good or it's evil. There's nothing in between here. Either God is raising him up to do something good, or it's going to be something totally evil. And if that's the case, we might as well have Hillary. True. It won't make any difference in that context. So I, I, I believe God, listen, brother, God, the, the Revelation seventeen seventeen. I've quoted this so many times, I know it's time to close the program. The Revelation seventeen seventeen. for God hath put it in their hearts to fulfill his will. Proverbs 21, 1, the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. God can do what he wants to do. Amen. Very well, very well said, and what a apropos close. Pastor Langford, thank you for being our pastor at the Hagman Hagman Report. I'd like to call you America's pastor because to me that's what you are. And uh, but, but thank you for your gift of time and certainly uh, pastor thanks along to your wife for uh, graciously giving you the ability to come on our, come on the air tonight and uh, have a great conference. Uh, thank you. And 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 uh, stay safe please and until next week. God bless, and, and thank you very much, Pastor. Amen. God bless you. You have a wonderful night. Thank you, All guys. Right. Bye-bye. You too. Bye. That'll do it, folks. Uh, tomorrow night, Steve Quayle, hours two and three. And then Ted Brewer on Friday. going to be a great week. Yeah, that's, that's right. So, folks, stay safe. Uh, just um, prepare. Prepare, prepare, prepare. The saddle for battle.